0: All right, it's a Monday. I'm back. I think we're fully, we're at full strength. I'm not exactly sure. KB and Andy hanging out with you. Speak for yourself. Yeah, wake up call here on The Fan. He's Kevin Bowen. I'm Andy Sweeney. Mark Dykton producing today's effort. Mark's been stuck in traffic for the last like hour, God. I think, uh, of his life. So that's Avoid weird. Westbound 70 oh. at all costs, for God's sake. He'll be giving us the traffic reports. To hell with IBC. Mark Dykton going to give us the traffic reports on this Monday on The Fan. Hanging out with you until 10 o'clock. A busy, busy weekend here uh, in Indianapolis. NFL Combine in town. Uh, we'll be talking about that. Hope to be broadcasting out there beginning on Wednesday. Uh, IU loses, Purdue wins, and what a fun game last night uh, in Bridge. Pacers over Luka Kyrie and the Dallas Mavericks. Good morning to you, KB. How was your weekend?
1: Good morning. It was good, and today, boy, you talk about nice weather to greet Combine Week. I know it's not necessarily going to be here all week long, but it looks like Potentially in the 70s today here as the NFL world. I guess the hardballs were in the building last night. So I saw that. Where's Tom Crane? Already trying to do to uh descend upon Indianapolis here. So Combine Week, as Andy said, we'll be out there Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And this was announced, was it announced Friday? I don't know. Maybe Thursday. Chris Bauer, Shane Steichen, will meet the media in group sessions Wednesday afternoon. We are scheduled to have Ballard on this show Thursday morning at 9 30. Um, So that's a little bit of the Colts side of it. A lot of national guests throughout the week. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah, Mark, that's right, tomorrow. He's going to yep. lead things off uh-huh. for us. Uh, so we'll be very busy uh, over there at, at the convention center. And, you know, Andy, you, you and I have talked about it for the last few weeks. Uh, find me a team that's had a quieter offseason than the Colts. I mean, they have had, I, I would put them right up there with any team in the NFL in terms of just the quiet nature to their offseason. And, and to be expected, I think, largely, but now does that it, it will pick up pace? You know, we already saw Cincinnati tagging T. Uh, T. Higgins with the yep. franchise tag. The trickle down effect with Michael Pittman Jr. as that window closes in eight days. So you'll need some decision there. So always one of my favorite weeks of the year, and I uh, can't wait to get down there.
0: Uh, I we have the clip of Chris Ballard freaking Bowen. Uh, are we going to get another freaking Bowen, or can we get a freaking Sweeney? I don't know what we're going to get on Thursday. I'm excited. 9:30, Chris Ballard. Let's go. You never know with him. Let's go. You never know with Chris Bowen
1: what you're going to get. So, very much looking forward to that. Yeah, I mean, think back to last Monday, Andy. We were sitting here talking about just the doom and gloom nature, basketball wise, of the weekend, oh, particularly God. from the college game. Uh, and a little bit of a mixed bag as we sit here on this Monday. I guess let's start professionally. I, I, I thought it was a great way that you laid it out. What a fun night inside of Game Fieldhouse. What a game. But, like, if you're going to tell me the Pacers are going to beat the Mavs by 22, I would not have thought it would look like that. Great defensive effort. Miles Turner goes for thirty-three, and it's not like Turner hit six or seven threes. Hit you two know, of them. a yeah. lot of Turner's big nights are, you know, oh, teams are not gonna, you know, run out on him as a shooter. They're gonna be worried about Halliburton. Uh, you know, Halliburton and Siakam were relatively quiet for them from a scoring standpoint. And I thought there was a sequence there in the fourth quarter, and I'll hit this a lot today, where I just thought Ben Shepard had a coming of age moment. 104-100, uh, Andy. Kyria just scored nine straight. Rick Carlisle takes a timeout. And who takes that shot out of the timeout? It's Shepard with no hesitation whatsoever. Drills a three, couple possessions later, hits another three. He has a career night. And to me, his coming of age in this last month, again, when you trade away Buddy Healed, you said to him as well. I know we talked a lot about Mather and we talked a lot about Nemhard, but you said to Ben Shepard, you're gonna be in there night in, night out. Now, how much are you in there? You'll decide that for yourself. I thought that moment for for Shepard was absolutely huge.
0: We'll play the sound, but I love after the game. He's like, "Yeah, I didn't hit the rim." On an earlier three. Yeah. By the way, every time I laugh, I'm still gonna sound like an old lady who just got done crushing a pack of menthols. But by the way, are you feeling okay now? Now I'm uh, worried. now I'm worried about you. Now me and Mark are worried about you. I'm on the fence. Oh I think, boy. I think we've ran a
1: relay race, right? Did Mark start?
2: I had start the baton it? to start. Yeah. yeah, and you handed
1: it to Andy. Yeah, uh-huh. and uh, Andy has now handed it to me. Which, of course, again, of all the weeks of the year, of all the weeks, the
0: combine. Oh, week. sure. Well, the, the worst thing is it's a good and bad when, when you when you lose your voice, and then you don't feel well, like the thing about it is I didn't miss, you know, I only missed the one day, the Friday. And I appreciate you guys and everyone holding the fort down, uh, you know, while I was gone on Friday. Uh, I think Corbin came in and we always appreciate Corbin, the voice of God coming in. But the thing about it is, you know, it's good because I hate missing work. I hate being sick. It puts me in a bad mood. Uh, so I didn't miss any work, but it also means the weekend is a complete wash. Like the Sweeney weekend was me being mopey around the house, my wife having to basically do everything. And young Mason is cutting teeth right now. So I don't need to tell you guys uh, how the sweetie household. So I was thankful to be back at work today at 7 at 7 a.m. with you guys. I really was. I will never forget
1: the first time you parents under the weather and or hung over. Oh, my gosh. You want to talk about. I've done both now. Welcome to parenting (laughs) moments there. Uh, So, yes, I'm I'm rocking one of these medicine balls here from Starbucks.
0: Oh, is that what that is? I thought it was a little tea. Well, I guess it pretty
1: much is a bunch of tea in All there. Right. So trying to soothe the throat on this Monday morning.
0: Oh, goodness. So that's where we are. Uh, Dan Lust is going to join us. He is a uh, he's a lawyer. He's a he's a law teacher at the New York uh, School of Law. You're thinking, why the hell is someone that smart going to be on with you dopes? He'll be coming on at about nine o'clock today uh, as the uh, federal judge there an injunction for NIL. Now, what does that mean? I know this story became popular over the weekend. Basically what it means right now, if you're an Indiana fan, a Purdue fan, if you're Kevin Bowen and you're a Notre Dame fan, it means right now the NIL collectives can do whatever the bleep they want to do. At least for now. And so, uh, as the fights with NIL go uh, in this country, if you will, the NCAA battling, and, and we understand what that has been the last couple of years. So, we'll talk with him. And then I'm excited about this. Kaylin, is it Kay- Kaler? is, Do we ever figure that yes. out? From The Athletic, who's a senior NFL writer, is going to be in with us at about 9 30. Uh, she is taking over, if you will, uh, one of the great charitable functions this week. Uh, The NFL combine from Peter King, who, by the way, this morning, I don't know if you knew this. I don't imagine that announced his retirement, the great NFL sports writer, Peter King. So um, that's going to be fun. I look forward to picking her brain and everything as the combine uh, is here this week. But just going back to the Pacers, they outscored the Mavs. 29-11 29-11 in the last eight minutes and 53 seconds. Yeah, and again, when, started yeah, with that yeah, Shepard three. Th- yeah, that's when Kyrie uh, went off uh, and Carlisle calls that timeout. And it looked like at that point, it's like, man, the Pacers have had a good, fun game here. Are they going to give this away? Well, are you going to get, get like outstarred
1: starred in the fourth quarter? Right. Right? That's where I kind of was at of like, okay, you've got to go to your starters, right? Yeah, and, and I get it's a back-to-back. I get it's not ideal, but I thought they'd go there for him to stick with the bench group. Was interesting to me. And then again, of all the guys to take that shot, come out of the timeout when you needed it the most. And, you know, how about, you know, Matherin doing other things? Big night for him rebounding, five assists. Nemhard as a score. Again, you don't really think of him like that. It it was the why of that behind the win, Andy, is really what stands out to me. And again, Dallas had lost one game all month. Uh, They were on a nine game win streak. They have been outstanding. So tonight Pacers back in action again. It is a back-to-back of course. The Raptors in town. Toronto has been a little better out of the break here winning the first two but certainly struggling entering the all-star break. Pacers favored by five and a half. Remember Wednesday Zion in town. They are on the second night of a back-to-back for what it's worth with New Orleans. That is the nationally televised ESPN game. So a lot of Pacers home flavor during combine week which is always a good thing and attracting some people in the building. Uh,
0: Zach Eadie looked like Shaq yesterday. Oh God, he was good, wasn't he? And they're like, we're gonna give the ball to Zach Eadie. We're gonna give the damn ball to Zach Eadie. You know one guy. You know one guy we haven't talked too much about. Is Juwan Howard gonna keep his job there in Michigan? Do you think? I mean, we've talked about Indiana. I honestly turn
1: on Michigan, and I'm like, wait, is Martelli coaching them tonight?
0: <laughs> but, you know, we've talked so much about Indiana. We've talked about, you know, Louisville, Ohio State. By the way, Ohio State goes on the road and beats Tom Izzo and Michigan State very much, I think, puts them back outside the NCAA tournament. Um, a bad weekend for Butler, too, which we can get to as we go. But uh, Purdue, I thought that was a fun atmosphere. Even well, though was, Michigan's
1: not very good. You have a lot of Mac- Purdue fans. Yeah, I was going to say it was yeah. Mackey Northeast is what is what it was in the Chrysler Center yesterday afternoon. I, this is no knock on Purdue, and I want to make sure I don't. This doesn't sound like it. I'm ready for Purdue to play tournament teams again. I, I, I'm with you. I mean, these games. I this know. is just the nature I, I just, of the Big Ten schedule this season. And remember, Purdue had the early Illinois game. Uh, Wisconsin, you know, last month was certainly qualify as that. But for the most part. They've been in this, well, uh, yeah, maybe they're a tournament team type of competition. And if you look at the schedule the rest of the way, they could be done with non-tournament teams. Debate Michigan State how you want. Mm-hmm. They probably are still in, but it's certainly clinging yeah, but it's a desperate. There.
0: Regardless, it's a desperate team that needs a win. And then after that,
1: you'll go Illinois and Wisconsin, yep. and then you'll have your three Big Ten tournament games. Theoretically, you would think at least two of those three, if you get to the Big Ten title game, if not all three will be against tournament teams. And then, of course, NCAA. So... Um, I'm just selfishly. I just watch Purdue and I'm like, they're just so dominant over a lot of these teams that, you know, what's going to happen at the end of the day. And they've won whatever they've won 11 of 12, 10 of 11, uh, whatever that, that mark is. Uh, I thought we were going to get a second, Indiana no three-point field goal game on Saturday well, afternoon. I, I'm that, disappointed the, the, in that, something. That was the anticipation. Mackenzie well, and Baco saves the day with 90 seconds to yeah, go. Yeah, he
0: he did. Uh, and then they hit one at the very end, and that ruined. Was it Tony Adragna, our good friend, friend of the show, who puts a lot of videos up? He has had the stat on how many double-digit losses Indiana has had, and how that compares to our, specifically Archie Miller. And I thought we were going to get another one in the tally. On what was it? On Saturday, when Indiana lost at Penn State, and then who hit the three? Was it Mbako who hit the three in the final seconds, or was that CJ Gunn who hit the three uh, in the final seconds to make it a nine point game instead of a 10 point game? Now we can't count it. I would say one of the most damning things about this season, and
1: I would argue it might be the most damning, is Andy, if you look at Penn State, if you look at Nebraska, if you look at Rutgers, and you look at Northwestern. And if you dug deep in the finances of those four basketball programs in the Big Ten, they are six and zero against Indiana this season. Six and zero. And I get that Northwestern has been better under Chris Collins than obviously they have, and Fred Hoiberg. They're finally reaching, you know, a a, a decent mark compared to where he was early in his career. But think about that. Yeah, but still, right? Yeah, they're the, respectable, but still, the spending, the fan interest, the attendance numbers. The NIL collectives. Just go down the list of what those programs spend within their own conference compared to Indiana. And you are 0-6 against those teams. And again... They have had issues. Northwestern is battling injuries. Penn State beat you twice this year without their leading score in both of those games. And, you know, oftentimes, again, if you look at those games, you were thoroughly outplayed.
0: Oh, you never thought Indiana was going to win on Saturday. In so, many of these games, you don't think—there's You know, there's not one time where during the game you're like, all right, Indiana's making a run here. They're going to take the lead. They're going to pull away. They're going to win this game. Not one time. Not once. And I. this has also been
1: kind of a common theme, but if you look at Indiana from three on Saturday, they are 13 percenter, okay? They're 56% from the foul line. Those are obviously horrific numbers. Now, Purdue wasn't a ton better in their own matchup. They were 29% from three. They were 68% from the foul line. But the difference is, Purdue, you made a great point just a few minutes ago. They're so committed to throwing the ball to Zach Eady. Oftentimes, I feel like teams see the big guy, and then they bail on the big guy. Or, you know, early in the possession, they throw it in there. It doesn't work out, and he doesn't get it again. And next thing you know, a guard's chucking a thirty footer at the end of the shot clock for Indiana. You are supposed to have this this you know heralded front court, and certainly on paper, you should have this advantage over Penn State. Yet you cannot control the paint, and, and that is a pretty much a night in, night out theme for them whatsoever. Uh, tomorrow night, Wisconsin inside of Assembly Hall. That is a peacock game. I'd be glad if you don't subscribe.
0: Yeah, I do. Uh, I still subscribe. I got the 6.99 came down on the old uh, credit card yesterday. I saw the email go through. Ballys and Peacock go through at the exact same time. People were messaging me with Bally issues yesterday. I had no Ballys issues yesterday. That's just me. I had to, no. I had to re-sign in. I have to but- restart the app. I would say at least. Two
1: times I've recorded. Uh,
0: yeah, well, I'm pr- okay, so I don't have to do that. I've been good. Sometimes if I go iPad and then I want to go to the uh, to the Apple TV on my big screen, sometimes I have to sign in again, which is just putting in a code, if you will, and putting in my password, and I'm ready to go. So as much as I would like to take a run at Bally's this morning on the radio, I can't do it. I didn't have any issues uh, with Bally's. One other thing on Indiana. We'll play the sound coming up on the check down. A lot of people were I don't know. Excited's not the word. They were, they were, and happy's not the word. They acknowledged that Mike Woodson finally uh, took some accountability after the game. And for an Indiana fan, to me, it made me sad for Indiana fans that that was the storyline coming from that game. It's not that you can't beat all these whatever teams in the Big Ten. It's that you're like, finally, our coach takes some accountability after a nine-point loss to Penn State. And we'll talk about it as we go today. KB, Indiana's just in a bad spot. You know I've said it. They got in bed with one of their own, and now they're sitting there. And to fire Mike Woodson after year three, after making the tournament his first two years, would probably be a bad look. Our guy Jeff Goodman was in Bloomington, and I thought he made a good point. His tweets over the weekend, the question for me would be, you know, they have all this NIL money, if I'm one of these guys that's got a lot of NIL money, am I going to help Mike Woodson this offseason outbid? I mean, we are in the Wild West when it comes to NIL. Indiana should be able to go out and money whip a couple guards, whether they be high school guys or transfer guys or fifth-year guys. But is that money going to be there uh, for Mike Woodson and company? And I don't know. And they were just pathetic. I mean, they can't shoot free throws. Their lack of being able to shoot free throws is 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 offensive to the brand of Indiana basketball. Oh, it really question. is. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> it's offensive oh, to boy. every
1: every every county in the state, frankly, uh, with where Indiana's at. Butler, they got to get on a run.
0: I mean, Butler's played themselves right out of the NCAA tournament. And last, you know, and yesterday, now they have a big one this week with Patino coming into town. St. John's beats uh Creighton over the weekend and McDermott, but I mean they've had a chance here to solidify themselves as an NCAA tournament team, and they've lost every single game. Yeah,
1: Biggie's tournament run. That's what I'm getting at with Butler here, uh, as they have squattered some quad one chances here. Four-game losing streak for the Dogs. Boy, the Peter King news is kind of... I, I, it's um—it's yeah. big news. Mm-hmm. Him retiring, that was his column here on this Monday morning. That's been a Monday ritual for me for, I mean, hell, I would I say... Mean, over,
0: 15 years? I, yeah, a decade at I, I was going to guess
1: over over a decade there, so for those that missed that news, that came out here this morning as NFL Combine Week is here. He is Andy Sweeney. I'm Kevin Bowen. Mark Dyked on the ones and twos. It is the wake-up call here, 93.51075. The Fan.
0: All right, let's get it going on your morning check down. Fun one last night in Cambridge. Pacers winners 133-111 over the Dallas Mavericks winning the fourth quarter. That's what the Pacers did post game. Here's head coach Rick Carlisle.
3: I think the key of the whole game was the fourth quarter when they got it to four. And, you know, we called timeout. And um, and our guys that had been in the game um, responded, I think, with, uh, with a 9-2 run that, put the game back in our control. And so they showed a lot of a lot of wherewithal, a lot of fortitude. Not an easy situation. Irving's hot and going crazy, you know. They held the line, and that was big. You have
1: all guys. Ben Shepard, huge three coming out of that timeout when it was 104-100. The rookie had a career high. Again, the variety of ways the Pacers got this done. Defense, Turner, huge scoring night. Not a lot of threes from him. It got to the foul line. A lot. Matherin and Nemhard kind of doing things they don't usually do. Matherin as a facilitator and a rebounder. Nemhard as a scorer. Um, very impressive just how the Pacers got that done. So they've won these first two games here out of the break. Again, tonight it is home with the Raptors. It's a back to back against Toronto team that has won their first two exiting the All Star break. All right, let's go in reverse order here, college basketball wise, from the weekend. The Boilermakers of Purdue. Boy, it sounded like Mackie up there in the Chrysler Center yesterday. Zach Eady was Shaq, uh 35 and 15. Purdue still puts up 84 points even though they didn't really shoot it great from 3 or from the foul line there. Sluggish start for the Boilermakers, but they pull away 25 and 3, 14 and 3 in the Big 10. They don't have the week off before they will host Michigan State coming up on Saturday.
0: How long of a drive is that? I'm looking that up right now. How long of a drive is West Lafayette to, uh, to Ann Arbor. Oh, I, I would... Do you have any idea? Uh, I would
1: guess multiple hours. Yeah. It's about
0: four hours. Yeah,
1: I was going to say. I mean, that's it's way on the... It's a good little drive. I mean, you got to go across the state and up. and, um, Yeah, I, I could not believe just how loud that place was for Purdue yesterday. Again, no fault to the Boilermakers whatsoever. I'm just ready to see them play better teams. And the Big Ten schedule is not really offered much of that. They will get that here to close out the regular season a little bit more, rematches with Illinois and Wisconsin, and then obviously the Big Ten tournament upcoming
0: uh, all right, let's do Indiana here. Uh, the Hoosiers, 83-74. That's your final coming from Saturday. Indiana now 14-13 and 13 on the season. Guys, they're 6-10. Now, Malik Renew had a great game, 27 points. Uh, I thought Khalil Ware had an okay game as well, but it's been the same story. They can't shoot threes, 2 of 15. They can't shoot free throws, just 4 of 25. And post game, the big story coming from this one, on Saturday, where Indiana fans finally feeling like Mike Woodson took at least a shred of accountability.
4: All coaches, when they coach, they think they can win. And I've struggled with this team this year, and I won't blame my players. I've always put put it on Mike Woodson, and that's how it should be. And I'm a big boy, and we'll try to continue to grow this thing and figure it out, but we still got a lot of work on our hands when it comes to our basketball team. For
1: 14-13 on the year. They have lost four straight, eight of ten. Andy, Mike Woodson has said oftentimes we are a young basketball team. Where are any hints of young development you've seen from this team in February? I'd argue none of it.
0: None no. of it. No, none of it. None. This I mean, is not
1: this, a team ascending in any sort of there's way. Not a, there's
0: not a bright spot to this basketball season. It is not one second.
1: It is a downfall. And again, on the season, 14-13, and 0-6 against programs named Penn State, Nebraska, Rutgers, and Northwestern. And I don't know what you do.
0: I don't know what the answer
1: is. I think you have to look long and hard at making a move. Listen, and, and I, I'm with I'm you, but I don't think you're going to. I'm surprised that I'm there, to be honest with you. But I don't see light at the end of the tunnel. And then, not to play the Aegis game, but if there is light, it, you're going to have to restart this thing here in a couple of years. And there's no one on staff you're passing the torch to.
0: Well, I think I think staff's the other thing. I mean, do do Indiana fans? If Mike Woodson made some changes to his staff, that's not going to suffice. Is he listening, or like, does he just listen to Randy well, Whitman and well, Quinn Buckner? Like sometimes, listen, sometimes. That matters. You know, you fire in the NFL or in college football. You've seen it. You can fire a defensive coordinator. You can fire an offensive coordinator. You can bring in a different philosophy on one side of the football. But I don't know. Sometimes that works in basketball, but it's not like football. And I just don't feel like, I just don't feel like that there's somebody there. They're like, yeah, we're going to change up this guy on the staff and this guy. And and it's going to make everyone feel better, just feels like you're going to run things back with Mike Woodson, some of these same players? I don't know, man. I don't know what you do. I really don't. Indiana's in such a crappy spot right now, uh, that they're going to have to either get you know unload one of their own and spend a ton of money doing so, or they're going to have to stay pat. And if they do that, boy, there's just not much hope going into next season.
1: Some missed opportunities for the Butler Bulldogs: four straight losses, all of the quad one variety. They lose to fellow bubble team Seton Hall Saturday night. There, if you look at their schedule the rest of the way, Saint John's, DePaul, Xavier—nothing it offers that quad one chance. So even if they run the table, it still, to me, looks like they're going to have to get a game of note in Madison Square Garden. Yeah, they're going to have to win a couple games. For the Big East tournament. So uh, just missed opportunities for Butler. They had a great start to the month of February, but they've not been able to kind of back end it with another win or two. Again, they lose Saturday night. Indiana State does get back to more of their winning ways now as they try to lock up that number one seed for the MoVal tournament, which is upcoming.
0: Uh, any Combine updates? I want to talk about that after the break. Anything well, you're looking I, forward to here in the next say, couple days? I'd
1: say that uh, that T. Higgins domino. Yeah, yeah. We, we saw the first franchise tag be handed out. We can get more of that on the other side. The Colts had a lot of interest in T. Higgins coming out of the draft. Sure. Uh, so what does the wide receiver market look like? That's probably the most like-minded individual to Michael Pittman Jr. in age, where they are drafted. Um, I know their careers have gone a little different in the two situations they've been asked to uh, to walk into, but... Touch on that and the new cap number. The NFL announced that on Friday. What does that mean for the Colts? Because we're about to start to get some actions here for what has been a quiet Colts offseason. We'll hit on a little combine news on the other side. It is the wake-up call here. KB and Andy, Mark Dykton on the ones and twos. Ninety-three.
5: Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram Injection, And check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. 51075 The fan.
0: All right, what the heck's going on with NIL? We'll talk with Dan Lust about that coming up at 9 o'clock. KB and Andy, wake-up call. A couple different things. Uh, it is NFL Combine Week. KB, did you see the fight with Cam Newton yesterday by any chance?
1: I did. I need some details.
0: I need details immediately. And, I, you know, I've even, during the break here, was looking around the Internet. There's still no details. So, for people that don't know, in Atlanta, there's a 7-on-7 tournament that's invite-only. And I don't know if it's Cam Newton's uh, tournament or uh, if he's there promoting. He's obviously involved, and there's, like, a tent that you would see us doing, like, a live remote at, okay? There's a pop-up tent, and there's some sort of skirmish. Cam is there, and some guy... Now, have you seen the video? You've seen the video, right? Some oh, yeah. guy throws a haymaker at Cam.
1: Yeah, he looks like he's trying to stop Cam on fourth uh, and one wildcat. Yeah,
0: that's exactly it. And so Cam, again, is a huge human being. I mean, this guy is like, what, 6'4", 6'5", 250. This guy's an edge rusher. He is just a massive human being. And so Cam kind of has one guy in a headlock and is grabbing another guy by the back of the shirt and is controlling the situation. But I didn't know, you know, they said, uh, you know, I don't know if this was a grown man? I don't know if this was a high school kid who was taking a shot at Cam Newton, but that's the video. And then, of course, everyone's having fun with it because Cam is wearing one of his hats that he wears, you know, that he's made famous not a top hat. I don't know what you would call it. It's a fashion hat yeah. of some Something kind. Something
1: Lincoln wore yeah. back in the and, day. And
0: the, uh, the hat doesn't move while there is this skirmish. And finally, I think mean, a cop is there and security uh, and camp people and everything else. But, I mean, if this was like a high school kid who took a haymaker at Camp Newton, I, that's an unbelievable story. And It's un- it's unbelievable video, and it came out yesterday. It really is unbelievable.
1: Do you, re- do you respect the high school kid, if that was how this situation played out?
0: No, no, but here's why. I know we're having fun with it because if Cam is like giving his time and energy and or money for some stupid seven-on-seven camp that's invite-only and you guys are punching him and going at him, like, what are you doing? Like, get out of here. That, that kid shouldn't be playing college football anywhere. They weren't Taking happy about the shot accessibility my my of the flags and camp. the ability to get those <laughs> Out. Yeah, uh, again, oh, Combine man. Week
1: is here for the NFL. Again, it's a glorious day weather-wise. Doesn't sound like it's going to be nearly at this level of temperature all week long, but still pretty nice start to the week. I would say the big kind of news item exiting our show Friday NFL-wise, two things. Uh, the salary cap, we did get kind of an official number yeah. on that. And this has been a jump over the years. And that's why when we get into this Michael Pittman Jr. contract talk, Andy, you know, people are going to be appalled. By the final number of what Pittman Jr.'s contract is going to be, a lot of this we should probably view in more percentages of the cap and not like the raw number of whatever, 25 million annually or whatever it's going to be for Pittman Jr. That franchise tag number, if and when the Colts do give that to Michael Pittman Jr., and again, they've got eight days left to decide if they are going to do that or not, 21.8 million. That is the number for the franchise tag for Pittman, again, with the new salary cap at $255 million for this coming season. That's a $31 million jump from last year. The Colts have just north of $70 million. I think that places them sixth among NFL teams. And as we said for weeks now, uh, that is a huge number. It's obviously a notable number. But you got to think a large chunk of that could indeed go to your in-house guys. Sure. I mean, if Pittman's going to be around the mid-20s, you know, how much is Grover Stewart? How much is Kenny Moore? How much is Julian Blackman? Do they re-sign all those guys? What about Minshew? What about Zach Moss? So uh, that, that, that $70 million, $72 million, that could go in a hurry there. But we do have some official numbers, which is always important because so much of Combine Week, Andy, not just the 321 prospects in town, it's your Chris Ballard, and I'm CAA's whatever, head of agency for the NFL, we're meeting about clients. That is a huge, huge part of what this week is about with free agency beginning two weeks from Wednesday.
0: Yeah, I might have to pull uh, Brian Dable aside. You know, maybe at the combine this week, and maybe have a little heart to heart with him. I'm sure he'll kind, be thrilled. Kind of, uh, you want to you want to come down there? You can talk to Eberflus and kind of get the lay of the land on what they're going to do with Justin Fields. Isn't that the story mm-hmm. of this weekend? Is going to be what happens with Justin Fields? I was reading reports; that they think the framework of the deal. Will probably be done. Hell, the deal could be done while we're broadcasting down there uh, at some point. Justin well, remember, probably gets moved.
1: Speaking of trades, you know, the DeForce Buckner trade really picked up steam combine week. Sure. It publicly wasn't known for a little bit longer than that, but this is always a time of year where that stuff really, really ramps up. Mark, if I'm not mistaken, last year, I believe the Bears and the Panthers trade mm-hmm. really picked up steam. Right around this time well. Yeah, about as well.
2: A, a couple days after the combine is when that trade was announced. So I expect something similar with Justin Fields because they're going to want to make that move before free agency starts and then quarterback positions start getting taken on rosters. So I can see where that move, that's when the big moves coming out of the combine. I believe that will happen. I, How about I would that?
1: say Colts related items for me. Um, obviously, the Pittman Jr. storyline speaks for itself. Again, we'll hear from Chris Bauer, Shane Steichen on Wednesday. Chris will join us Thursday morning. You know, where is draft depth? Um, I think we have a general idea, and we'll have some draft people on this week. I think we have a general idea. Not very top-heavy defense. Um, wide-out-wise, pretty good. Offensive tackle, pretty good. Uh, obviously, some quarterbacks that are going to hear their name called very early. But draft depth, to me, has to impact what you do in free agency. And so, you know, what is that trickle-down effect for the Colts? Obviously, the other in-house free agent news. You know, is there anything on the Anthony Richardson front? This might not be like a pressing storyline, but I am curious this with Richardson. Do they view this time? And again, he's been thrown for a couple weeks now. Do they view this time? Andy as like, if we need to retool anything with his motion, this is the time to do that again. I don't think that's necessarily something that they need to do, but do you view this as like, all right, this is kind of a rebuild, not a start over, but it's a great chance to take care of some things that we maybe would have tweaked or tried to tweak. You know, in a normal off season. So, is there anything with him, mechanically, you know, again, fundamentally, that you want to get done now that he is back up and throwing? And I'm not gonna act like Shane Second's gonna reveal much, but you know, he did make a couple defensive staff changes, D line specifically. They did set a franchise record for sacks. What were you not getting out of that group that felt that you felt like you uh, needed to make a change there? So, those are a couple culture related story uh, lines for me.
0: Yeah, I, I would say that's the same, and 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 boy, I. I know your answer to this. We don't expect, and so we know he's not probably going to give much of an answer, but we don't expect there to be an answer on Michael Pittman by the time Chris Ballard, A, speaks on Wednesday, or B, comes on the air with us on Thursday morning, right? You
1: know, probably nothing
0: official,
1: but I mean, who knows if he, you know, meets with Pittman's representation tonight and all of a sudden he gets there to you know, Wednesday morning or Wednesday afternoon when he meets the media in a group setting, does he say something effective? We met with Michael's people. We feel really good about it. We're going to get something done, what that looks like. I don't know what it is, but, you know, maybe he says something to that effect. But for the most part, I kind of thought they'd get much closer to the back end of this two-week window, which, again, Tuesday, March 5th, that is the back end of the franchise window. That's when it closes. So we're six days in, eight days to go. Um, I would say it's more of just the how. How does it look And less of the does it get done? I, I, I'd be stunned if it didn't get done. It's more of just the how behind it. Uh,
0: a couple different things. Again, Dan Lust is going to join us coming up uh, at about 9 o'clock. We'll have Kaylin Collar in studio. Uh, we'll get her the correct uh, pronunciation on her name. She's going to join us from The Athletic at about 9.30 or so. We'll do the our, uh, Goats of the Weekend. Cannot wait to see what you guys got cooking for that at about 8.30 or so. Two other things for the Combine this week, and then we can get back into the Pacers. You mentioned T. Higgins. T. Higgins gets franchise tagged. And that's not surprising, right? There's several reasons it's not surprising. The two that immediately come to my mind, Warren Sharp put this out over the weekend, uh, of teams with the percentage of offensive snaps from players in the first three years in the NFL. So in other words, how much are you playing Young guys on your roster, guys that you just drafted within the last couple years. There's no surprise. Who do you think is number one on that list? It's a Green Bay Packers. Sorry, Mark. 63% of the players of their snaps are guys that are just in the NFL over the last three years. The Bengals are last on that list, KB, at 20%. So the Bengals, who are good, who just had to pay Joe Burrow who are going to have to pay Jamar Chase, who are losing Tyler Boyd, it was no surprise that they went and they franchise-tagged T. Higgins. That was not a surprise. The other thing to watch this week, and I want you guys' thoughts on this as well. The NFL is looking at the XFL kickoff rule. Have you seen this? Have you followed this at all? Is it? And remind me, and it's it's probably easier
1: to watch and to like paint the picture. It's like more of a, um like an end around
0: sort of looking play, right? Well, he, here's what they're discussing, okay? Because no, one's wa- no one watches the XFL. I'm not asking you to say, okay, what does the XFL look like when they do a kickoff? You're not going to know what I'm not going to know. So the kicker kicks off from the 30 yard line, okay? We all understand that, okay? The rest of the kickoff team is, is on the other side of the field on the opposite 35-yard line. And they're lined up 10 yards away from the receiving uh, team. That's right. It's at the 25-yard line. It eliminates the big
1: collisions. And
0: so, yeah, it eliminates the big collisions, but they're 10 yards apart. So the kicker can kick off, and then the returner catches the ball, okay? They're the only two allowed to move. Before the ball is caught, and then when the ball is caught, you have one team at the thirty, and you have uh, at the thirty-five, and you have one team at the twenty-five, and that's how they do the kickoff. A bunch of like punt gunner stuff. Well, pretty I much. just I, I just find it interesting because the NFL believes, and what I don't understand is the NFL, they, because of the injuries, because of concussions, because of a litany of things, KB. They wanted to get rid of the kickoff essentially without getting rid of the kickoff. They did this how many years ago? And they did it, and so, I, I don't know, it's worked out for them. There's not, you know, they're, you're not getting those injuries. You're not getting big hits at all on the kickoff. I thought this is what they wanted, but the play has become a sham, and it has become a complete waste of time. We all would agree with that. And so now, is the NFL actually going to... A, change something, and B, are they going to change something by using the XFL as a model? And I, listen, I never watched these other leagues. The Rock's involved in a bunch of these leagues when it was Vince McMahon and he hate me uh, in the XFL. I've never been one to really watch much of these. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I would be fine if they tried this. This would add something potentially to the game. Again, the kicker would kick off from the 30. The rest of the kickoff team would be on the other side of the field at the opposite 35. The the receiving team would be at the 25-yard line, and then the guy would receive the ball, and there we go. I don't know. It's I've something seen some that's highlights of it, about.
1: and I actually kind of like what I see. I I, I I mentioned, like, end around, you know, teams that are returning the kick, they do some creative things, and, you know, how they, you know, try to do misdirection there, and again, how they try to create a little bit of yardage, so that is a big part of this week as well, competition committee stuff, what happens there. Cam was curious about when does a legal tampering period start, Uh, I could insert a joke here, and it starts inside (laughs) of Prime 47 uh, later tonight. Uh, In all seriousness, though, two weeks from today is when... That begins. So to map out a calendar of, again, what the next couple of weeks look like because the quiet nature of the Colts offseason is over. Combine week this week. Again, Ballard, Stike, and Wednesday. Ballard with us Thursday. By Tuesday, March 5th, you've got to use the franchise tag or not. That's when the window closes. So the Colts have eight days left with that. March 11th, so two weeks from today, is when the, again, legal, and I say that in quotes, tampering period opens up. For teams and other free agents, and free agency officially begins March 13th. So, in this next two week and two day window, you're going to get a lot of news items. And, you know, to Mark's point, you know, Justin Fields, trade, you know, uh, just those other storylines will start to take shape a little bit, and the Colts will have decisions to make a course on their in house guys. So far, nothing on that. That's not too surprising. Um, do we see anything, though, happen before the new league year gets here uh, on Wednesday, March 13th?
0: Yeah, we'll see about all of that. Uh, I, I'm not exact. I'm not exactly sure we will. Did you happen to see last thing on the NFL? Did you happen to see AJ Brown and the Eagles? Have you have you followed this story at all? And again, I don't think there's a chance that a team is going to be able to get AJ Brown. The Colts, you know, are going to be able to get AJ Brown. AJ Brown went on WIP, which is local sports radio there in Philly, uh, and says. I have no problem. I want to be here. It's as simple as that. There are rumors that several Eagle players are kind of rubbing up against Jalen Hurts. Have you seen any of this? No. And that potentially A.J. Brown is unhappy there in Philadelphia.
1: I'm nervous. Rubbing up against Jalen Hurts? What are we...
0: Well, that, they're, that they want
1: they're, Marcus Mariota to be the starter, I, well, I don't yeah. follow.
0: Well, yeah, that, that they don't, that maybe there's some, there's a schism there between Jalen Hurts and some of the Philadelphia Eagle guys. I'm just throwing it out there, AJ Brown. That might be the could, dumbest thing I've ever heard. Potentially could be unhappy. I don't know. I'm just
2: I heard AJ Brown there. clap back and said he wants to stay in Philly. So that's I don't what he,
0: know. That's what he said.
1: I, I'm more confused by the. Eagles players that have had issues with Jalen Hurts, Do, have they
0: seen the alternative? <laughs> well, they won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles. <laughs> Boy, we sound terrible, don't we? Carson Wentz's our, MVP season our, getting them to that point until lungs, he tore his ACL. Our lungs are struggling right now. We have three sets of lungs so in the studio here. So this is a real stir- story oh, yeah, about it's, Jalen Hurts? Yeah, it was on ESPN.com. It's on the front of ESPN.com. I guess it's been called BS. There's been a bunch of uh, Eagle news ever since they had the fallout. Like, remember the guy that – who was the guy – it wasn't like Big Ed. Who was the guy that got kicked off the sideline? Big Dom. Was it Big Dom? That apparently Big Dom was the one that controlled Nick Sirianni on the sideline. And now he doesn't have anyone to control him on the sideline. And Big Dom's been kicked off the sideline. I love it. So no Aaron Neesmith tonight?
1: Is that what Carlisle said afterwards? Carlisle
0: said it after the game. No Aaron Neesmith tonight. So that'll be two
1: weeks coming up on Wednesday for him. Uh, sound like he was doing a little bit more practice over the weekend. But again, back-to-back for the Pacers tonight. They will have Toronto in this one. I guess Bruce Brown returning to Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Don't think that draws a whole lot of attention on that end there. Uh, but again, the Pacers, four-game homestand. They are now 2-0 and on that. It'll be Toronto tonight. Pelicans on Wednesday. I have a
0: question for you on the Pacers. Yeah. Uh Alex Golden put this out on Twitter during the game yesterday. Uh when Ben Shepard was playing well and he played well obviously. Uh you think they're in the fourth quarter. He and he put out and again, I, you know, you you think of positions, positionless basketball, you know, how much things align. That's what I was going to ask you. You know, he said basically, you know, especially, you know, down the stretch, um when you get into the playoffs, he thinks Ben Shepard has earned that playing time over Doug McDermott. Do you see it as one or the other when the roster gets cut down a little bit as we progress later in the season? I mean, Ben Shepard is playing better than Doug McDermott is. I mean, there's no doubt about that.
1: Well, he certainly gives you a little bit more on the defensive end of the floor. Um, I, I've really liked Shepard for about the past month or so, even though it hasn't popped up in the box score. He just strikes me as more of a trustworthy guy than you would think a lot of rookies would be yeah I mean I'd have to play the numbers game a little bit I guess what Shepard would be the ninth and Doug would be the 10th probably if you want to look at it like that I'm trying to think six seven eight would be like Matherin McConnell Toppin Toppin Jalen- Shepherd. Well, probably I guess, I guess, what about Jalen Smith too so yeah, Jalen Smith's back who made his return yesterday so yeah that could be 10 or 11 there um
0: There's going to be an odd man out somewhere. Yeah,
1: I think a lot of it can be situationally, too, like game-wise. You know, what are you looking for? Are you looking for a little bit more? of it? Because Shepard has not shot it great until lately, um, and he has started to shoot it a lot, lot better. But, you know, it's a question I want to throw Rick's way when he joins us on tomorrow's show of. I mean, Shepard, they clearly have a lot of faith in. And, I mean, Andy, this isn't a Tuesday night at Valpo that he was playing last year or Tuesday night in you know, whatever uh, Carbondale. Like, I mean, this is pretty darn impressive last night. Kyrie goes on a nine Oh run by himself. And all of a sudden here come the Mavericks and you're just waiting for it to happen. And Luca's doing Luca things and it's 104 100 And I'm thinking to myself when they go to timeout Pacers about to get outstarred in the fourth quarter. And this is kind of what Dallas does. It's what they've done all month long here in February. Uh, they've been healthy. They, they made the trade. Luke and Kyrie have been outstanding. This is what Luka did the other night against Phoenix, and they won their first game back from the All-Star break. And then, boom, Shepard hits a three. I think Toppin maybe hit one on the next possession. and yeah,
0: they, then if, They hit two or three right in a row. And, and they then a few trips down lead. later, yeah.
1: Shepard takes a shot that I think a lot of people would have been like, whoa, were you sure about that? But clearly, he's a confident kid after just hitting it a few trips down earlier, and he hits that second one there. So, yeah, I, I, as of now, I, I don't think that's the craziest thought in the world. I think you can kind of pick and choose your spots when you get in the playoffs of Again, games can kind of dictate a lot of exactly what you need. And, you know, Obi Toppin, Jalen Smith, Isaiah Jackson. Do Is that three guys for two spots? You know, do one of them kind of get pinched out. Uh, those will all be, you know, great, great problems to have when the playoffs do arise. Again, we've talked about the jumbled nature of the Eastern Conference a lot. I mean, look at these standings right now. With the Pacers winning three in a row, now all of a sudden they're knocking on four or five seed. And if you lose three in a row... It's the other way. You're like in the playing game. But with Indiana right now, they've got the head-to-head over Philly. They've got the head-to-head over New York. If they continue to get on a little run here to start the second half, you know they're going to be getting to the month of March, and they're going to be in a home playoff series control
0: as that four seed. It was a good weekend. The Sixers lost. They're injured. The Knicks lost, and they're injured as well. It's a good weekend for the Pacers. Uh,
1: all right, on the other side, we'll continue uh, to talk a little hoopage. Do we have to get into court storming?
0: I think we're contractually obligated to talk about it at some point today. So, yeah, we have to. Am I allowed to defend it or is that no? Oh, you can defend it. I, I like court storming for the most part. Uh, I did hear on ESPN radio, Canty this morning was thinking that Philipowski he threw his leg out a little bit. I had not heard that theory. So we can talk about that as well.
1: Can we blame Flip and blame Caitlin Clark for both the court stormings?
0: I got no, are you allowed to blame Caitlin Clark on anything right now? That's a dangerous take to have.
1: Uh, We'll do that coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. Again, it is the wake-up call here on a Monday. Beautiful-looking Monday here in Indianapolis. Hopefully you can enjoy it. Thanks for spending it with us. 93.51075, The Fan.
5: All right, it should be a fun— Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta. And check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation.
0: Week 8 o'clock hour. Hanging out with you, KB and Andy. It's the Wake Up Call Combine Week uh, here in Indianapolis. Should have a couple good days uh, of weather. So hopefully the NFL personnel uh, can enjoy that. We'll be out there Wednesday. Thursday and Friday uh, getting you ready uh, for the draft and uh, all the sights and sounds and everything else coming from the NFL Combine. We have several different guests already locked down. What, Daniel Jeremiah going to be tomorrow? Tomorrow. Uh, Chris Ballard, Colts GM, will be coming your way at 9.30 on Thursday. So uh, lots of good conversation uh, that we will have. Steichen and Ballard will meet with the media uh, on Wednesday afternoon, so I'm sure... Uh, we'll have that sound. Our different shows will have that sound as well. All right. So, KB, we are contractually obligated to do something. Oh, gosh. And uh, it's it's a national topic. All national shows are giving their hot takes on it over the weekend. And that is Wake Forest stormed the court against Duke and Kyle Filipowski. I actually saw this live. It was kind of an odd thing. They stormed the court. Uh, A kid runs into Kyle Filipowski. Uh, I do not believe, and I I did not hear this until this morning. Chris Canty threw it out there. He thought Filipowski did the Grayson Allen and threw his leg out there. Maybe he was trying to Grayson Allen trip. Uh, I do not believe that was the case. I also...
1: Now that's a national hot take. That
0: is a hot take. I also do not believe that the student tried to injure Kyle Filipowski. So I, I, I don't believe any of Of those things that we have seen, uh, whether it be Duke, I know Matt Painter has been very vocal about it. We saw several weeks ago the Caitlin Clark incident. Uh, I don't know if it was last year or the year before, a couple incidents in college football, one uh, with an Alabama player. And I think it's, you know, listen, this is just me. I think it's a lot scarier in football just because the players are a lot scarier <laughs> in football. I just think the players in football are a lot scarier uh, that you may not run into them. Now, I think me and you actually kind of disagree on this. I'll give you my take on it, and then we can move on to other... We can move on to Mike Woodson taking accountability or what did Fletcher Lawyer do or not do uh, on Sunday. We can right, we get back in the Pacers. I think for us, here is my... Here is my conversation piece that I will add to the court storming conversation that is going on. I want to be clear. The Kyle Filipowski incident, uh, what was it, Saturday, I guess, or was it yesterday? Uh, my, my weekend, just being sick and having a kid cutting the tooth. You guys know how it is. Just a rough weekend. That it didn't really change anything for me. I don't really care for court storming. I don't love it. I don't hate it. I understand why, and Jay Billis made this point over the weekend, and he's spot on, that entities like ESPN and even the conferences, they love it, the way it looks. I mean, Indiana fans have held on to the watch shot for over a decade. And by the way, so has John Calipari, has held on to the court storming around the watch shot. So I understand how it's a marketing tool I understand how it becomes this great, uh, sometimes organic moment, and I understand it, okay? Kids having fun, whatever. We don't do it in pro sports. That's a conversation piece, but whatever. My only thing that I would add to it, and I have heard this over the weekend, and I actually like it, is some sort of countdown to get the other team off the floor, the thing I would add to the conversation is, KB... Which
1: I would argue is a huge issue Saturday when you're yeah. up for 1.8 seconds to go and there's a timeout.
0: Yeah, well, and, and, and again, Wake Forest had stormed the floor when there was still time on the clock. I, I mean, th- this was this was a breakdown in many different ways. My biggest problem is I'm fine with with, with meeting in the middle of a court and having that fun moment. But we can. I mean, we all we have to be able to agree that you cannot have college kids running into uh, the 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 athletes on the floor. I that, that's that's probably the only strong take I have. Again, I'm not passionate about storming the court or field. I'm not passionate about not storming the court or the field. By the way, I'll say this as an aside, KB, and this is for you. Everyone always says it's college kids. Notre Dame lost to Louisville this year. You remember that loss, right, KB? You remember that one?
1: they were trying to forget it,
2: actually.
0: There were 40- and 50-year-old guys on that damn field, okay? You know why? Because I know some of them, and they're older than I am, and I'm 39, okay, that were on that field. So it's not always just kids. But I want to take all of the – listen, everyone has gets on their soapbox and they have a think piece. I'm not interested – in almost any of the national conversation around it. What I am interested in is two things. Number one, can we come up with a way to where the guys that are on the floor or the field can be moved aside safely so you can have the court stormy? And number two, and this is it, it's, it's low-hanging fruit. I understand it, but it's the way I feel is we have an entity like these conferences. We have an entity like the NCAA. The NCAA is so worried about kids being paid in NIL when there are things that they actually could control. And this is one of them, to work with institutions and conferences to come up with a way to to make this feasible if they want this to be part of their sport. And they do not do it. I'm not going to cry over Caitlin Clark. I'm not going to cry over Duke and John Shire uh, and his whining and Kyle Filipowski and everything else. But there is a small problem here at least, or there is something that is what happened with Wake Forest and Duke is avoidable. And maybe instead of worrying about NIL deals and some of the other BS that they worry about, this is something that you actually could control could come up with a plan and that would be that would kind of be my plea is how do we keep this organic fun moment in college basketball which people like how do we do that but also not have students run into at full speed the athletes that are on a football or a basketball uh, field that that would be the conversation that I wish we could have, and that's all. We can move on. I know you have your thoughts. What are they?
1: I love court storming. Um, the easy answer, obviously, is there would be none of it. Uh, that, that's the easy answer. That's a simple way out. But to me, it's um, it's an image of college athletics that I think creates an environment of of, of why we do enjoy that sector of sports. Uh, college sports are different than pro sports. Pro sports are buttoned up and you go to a Pacer game and you look in the first three rows and you'll see what 30% of people wearing Pacers clothes in the first three rows. You know, it's a bunch of hobnobs and a bunch of, you know, that, that sort of aspect to it. College athletics, it's different. It, it, it's raucous. It's a rowdy environment. Um That's what I love about the pageantry and the tradition and the raw emotion of those environments. And, you know, ESPN's intro to college basketball for years now has been the, you know, all 22 shot or the overhead shot of. Of everybody running down the floor at Assembly Hall after the watch shot. You know, Purdue has brought it up, and Matt Painter certainly has brought it up for years. You know, how many losses they've had to court stormings. And well,
0: every time they lose on the road, the senior class has had the court stormed against them. I think that's the stat, is it not? That's yeah. what he said. And, and look,
1: I, I have not worked one day in security in my life. So let me preface by that. But it seems like you have schools around college basketball in particular where I have seen them execute this pretty darn well to whether it is a rope that gets the handshake line closed off from everybody else, or it's a rope in front of the student section to delay it, to your point. Um, I thought specifically to Saturday, and this happened in the Purdue Northwestern game earlier in the year, when you get to the final few seconds and the game is over, and I know that not all court stormings fall into this, but again, can you get the players off the floor? Right. Um, that, to me, is something that... So
0: we agree, basically.
1: That's the only conversation I care about. Right, and again, I I know it's easy for me to say, sitting here in studio, it, it is harder to execute it. But I think if you are Scott Dolson, Mike Babinski, Jack Swarbrick, Barry Collier, whoever you are, if you want those moments for your school, which, again, I would argue they are great, great, beautiful moments for your school and there are stories that get told and told and told, how do you keep that? Well, you've got to make sure that your in-house security team, your in-house event staff, that they are on the same page and they can handle a pretty chaotic situation for about 30 seconds to a minute there. And whether that is, again, getting the rope up for the handshake line, delaying the kids on the floor, um, do you have individual security members that literally you're in a room before the game starts. And it's like, you've got 32 for Duke. You've got 26 for Mm -hmm. Duke. You know, like you, you go and get that guy. Because again, if a security guard is, is, you know, taking a player off the court, I don't think some kid is just going to run over there and do anything. And for the most part, I don't think the Caitlin Clark or the flip, uh, Flipkowski thing was the intention of those students around there and injure and or hit. I I agree. Either of those players. Um, so that's what I would like to see. Now, I will reiterate it several times. That is so easy for Kevin Bowen, lover of emotion and sport, to sit here and say. Like I, I again, I, I've never worked in security in my life. So the execution of that, I fully understand is more difficult. But and this only happens what, three to five times a week, maybe in college basketball. If you are the I mean Butler's not gonna have this on Wednesday. Right. IU's not having it tomorrow right. night again against Wisconsin. Like, okay, if you've got the top 10 team in your building, you sit there before the game starts. Here's our meeting. Here's our plan. Can we execute it? And can we create a moment that will live on in our college, you know, uh, town, our college, you know, sport fandom for the next few months, few, few years. So again, I know the easy way out is simply to say no more court stormings. No good comes from it. Um, I, 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 I totally understand that, but I love the moment so much, and I, I love seeing the scene in Wake Forest, and then boom, all of a sudden you see what happens, and it's like, damn, now we're going to have this on a Monday topic. and
0: Exactly. That's and exactly what I thought was. Because here here now, come all the think pieces. Now it's happening yeah. to the
1: best player in women's college basketball, probably the best player in college basketball, period, and it's happening to the program, which is Duke. So um, I will be very interested to see how it evolves from here, um, but I, I do love those scenes, and I would love to maintain that because, again, there's a lot of college athletics right now, Andy. That is losing what I think what a lot of people love about that sector of sports in that it's getting too professionalized for a lot of people. And I think in particular, if you talk to and even, you know, friends that are my age, but certainly if you talk to a generation older, they don't love Transfer Portal. They don't love NIL. They sure. don't love a lot sure. of that. This to me is something that. Um, I think you can try and corral and get a handle on it, but still have these moments and they can still be pretty cool. And if you continue to kind of pull away at what makes college athletics, I think, pretty unique. I worry about if that love is still going to continue to be there.
0: Yeah, I just I mean, listen, there are people, by the way, I'm not as passionate about this. Otherwise, I would disagree with you and we could argue about it both with our lungs full of mucus on this Monday. And mucus Monday, uh, I, I listen, I, there are people that would say there's no place for it in college basketball. Get your ass off the floor. I mean, there are people that feel that way. I mean, there's a lot of people that feel that way that, hey, they don't do it in NBA games. You don't see this in NFL games. You need to stay in your seat. You don't need to be on the floor. You don't need to be bumping in uh, to the players and everything else. There's probably a percentage of me that can agree with that. But I don't want to be the old crotchety guy. I don't want to be a thousand years old, uh, wagging my finger at a college kid not to have fun. So I have kind of altered my take that, listen, these are fun moments. These are organic moments. These are, more importantly, marketable moments. The Watch Shot has been a marketable moment for more than a decade at Indiana. They have put it on uh, uh, Coke cans. They have put it on popcorn uh, what do you call it? popcorn bags? I mean, they've done everything. ESPN has done that as well. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me a little bit, and it's not going to change too much, I don't think. It reminds me a little bit of, you know, the NFL or ESPN specifically, not to pick on them, but ESPN had to stop showing big hits. Remember, he got jacked up. Remember that segment on ESPN? ESPN. Did Chris Carter do that segment? You guys remember that, don't you? Yeah, Jack. up. I mean, that was a fun segment. And then, like, okay, you know, guys are being injured. There are serious head issues and everything else. Okay, so we're not going to glorify... The guy that gets rocked in an NFL game, a wide receiver coming across the middle, and Rodney Harrison, you know, decleats him, or Heinz Ward, who was a big hit wide receiver, decleats someone on the blind side. So we're not going to glorify that any longer. I don't want college sports to do that. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. And that often is the conversation. Well, Uh, You know, because Kyle Filipowski had his ankle ran into or Caitlin Clark had the issue that he, you know, that she had that we got to do away with it. I would prefer not to have that conversation. My conversation is more centered. I know. Listen, it is low hanging fruit. I understand it. But these conferences and these ADs and the NCAA, they have a they have a small. I'm not even going to call it a problem here. They have an unavoidable issue here. They, they Yes, for sports radio gas bags like you and I, we don't have the answer. It's easier for us to pontificate from our microphone, but it's not for them. Those entities, the ADs and the presidents and the NCAA and Greg Sankey, who doesn't mind sticking his nose in the Big Ten, they don't mind sticking their nose into everything else in college athletics. They don't mind blowing up any other part of college athletics. Okay, they will stick their nose literally and do anything in college athletics. You have an avoidable situation here. Figure out how you can keep students off the floor For ten to fifteen seconds, so the other team can leave, and and I would say, and now John Calipari has done this several times. And for the other team, if you're down six with fifteen seconds to go, ten seconds to go, and the game is over, pull your pull your guys off the floor. That is well. I mean, everyone needs to come together and say we're not going to get rid of these memorable moments. How do we keep the fun? How do we keep the moments? But how do we keep some of these some of these guys safe? I will say, and I may disagree. I, I don't know how you feel about this. I don't think students are ready. I don't think students are ready to take cheap shots at players. But I think they're a lot closer to getting in their face now than maybe they used to be. I do feel that way. I do feel like there are some drunk college kids who don't mind getting into the face. Of some college football and some college basketball players uh, as well. And there's no reason to even have that situation happen or have that powder keg of an issue to even happen. So yeah. there you go. Uh, we, we've done our segment. I,
1: I am <clears throat> beyond done with the segment. Um, yeah. I, I, what I, do you want to uh, go to next? To me, I, yeah, 19 minutes on court storming is not what I had on the old bingo card here on this Monday morning. Um, unavoidable issue. The easy nature to it is to simply just say there's going to be no court storming to me it is something that you can yeah. come together and individually schools are probably going to have to do it conferences are going to have to do it uh, but Adam brings this up I thought Purdue and Ohio State I thought Ohio State executed it pretty well a couple weeks ago um that's the question I think you have moving forward. Did you
0: see Reggie Wayne's tweet, by the way, <clears throat> last night? Did you happen to see this?
1: Um, Reggie Wayne's tweet last night? Yeah, wasn't he like fired up about people that say Peyton made him or
0: something? Yeah, where, where did this come from? So for people that don't know, we'll get you a check down here in a second. Reggie Wayne last night tweeted out, Y'all gonna stop thinking certain people made me a good football player. Only people that made me anything is Ralph and Denise Wayne, his parents, Everything else I grinded and busted my ass for. Hours of film study. The 5.30 a.m. workouts in the offseason. I'm getting sick of this bleep. I mean, where did this come from?
1: Well, and this is kind of ironic because Peter King, for those that missed it from the NFL, announcing his retirement, I should say NFL, a long time NFL reporter announced his retirement this morning. There was a, um, let me see if I can find it actually. I wanted to bring this up. Reggie. Obviously did not get in the Hall of Fame this season. And Peter King, and and I'm paraphrasing here a little bit, but Peter King wrote about Andre Johnson, who did go in in this year's class. And in a way, Peter King described a reason for voting for Andre Johnson Okay, was because of Matt Schaub. Well, because of Matt Schaub, and also he looked like a Hall of Famer. And that, to me, I think is just so just like stereotypical underwater Olympics or uh, uh, underwear Olympics is what I should say. And I guess during combine week, it's kind of fitting, but because he looks good because he's like got the Greek God and got the chiseled frame. And I mean, sure. Andre Johnson next to Reggie Wayne. Yeah. six three two twenty five, 225 and Reggie. I mean, honestly, I think when you see Reggie in person, you're not going to be struck by him from a physical stature standpoint, the same way you weren't going to be struck by Marvin Harrison from a physical stature standpoint. So I think those sorts of comments that Reggie Wayne has started to hear from Hall of Fame voters, rightfully so, really rubs him the wrong way of, like, how they look. Like, just because physically, like, they fill out the pads well, and boy, the uniform looks good on them. No, that that to me should have absolutely zero bearing whatsoever on it. So uh, I think that's where some of Reggie's frustration is starting to simmer a little bit with this. And then obviously... You know, he would argue, you know, look at my stats once Marvin left. Look at my stats once, you know, even Andrew Luck in that rookie season. Like, I still produce, you know, a lot of people say, hey, Marvin took the top corner away from you every time. Well, Reggie would say, okay, show me the stats from whatever. 07, 08, 09, 10, when Marvin was gone, how did I do there? Uh, what what happened when, you know, Andrew Luck came into the league and I, I was his guy for that rookie season? How many yards did I have in that season there? And I agree with that. Uh I agree with a lot of what what Reggie is is saying and some of the reasoning behind the Hall of Fame voting for these other wideouts is a bit head scratching for me.
0: Yeah, I guess I just didn't understand the timing because this had been what a couple weeks ago that we went through all of the Hall of Fame stuff. I didn't know where it was coming up that he would tweet that out last night. Does that make sense? I thought we'd kind of progressed or moved past why Andre Johnson had made the Hall of Fame. It's obviously something that really bothers Reggie Wayne. Like a hell of a whole lot. It bothers Reggie Wayne. And well, I understand it. And I think
1: it bothers a lot. I mean, even Dwight Freeney has said, like, you know, he got to the point. He was only for one year. He's like, I don't want to think about it. I don't want any of that. If it happens, it happens. You know, Edger and James got to a point where he didn't even want to go to the Super Bowl. Right.
0: He was frustrated because sure. he
1: didn't want to, you know, whatever, get there and all of a sudden knock at that knock on the door and just a waste of a trip. So I think a lot of these guys and a lot of it's probably the competitive genes in, in, in them, uh, you know, hold. You know, whatever grudges, or you know, feel like their career speaks for itself, and they should be on the Hall of Fame pedestal. All right, um, coming up in a bit, we'll talk a little bit more basketball again. Nine o'clock, Dan Luss going to join us. The other big kind of news item, college athletics-wise, came on an NIL ruling over the weekend, and the wild, wild west, I think, has just gotten wilder if I'm reading things correctly here. So we'll chat with him about that. Uh, Kaylin Kaler is going to join us coming up uh, about 940. She actually just texted me. She said 940 is uh, when she's going to pop in studio. She's hosting an event that Peter King usually hosts over at Sun King during Combine Week. Uh, I will let her share the Colts guest that will be joining, but I think everyone will enjoy uh, hearing this individual. We've had him on the show before. He is outstanding. And so uh, that's coming up on Friday. And she also has a Caleb Williams tease in relation to potentially. Oh, there you go, Mark. Okay, you're all right. Right. You're Bears. you got to
0: be excited over this. We'll do that I'm Very here. excited. A very excited. Are you, ex- are you excited? Because you like Justin Fields. I need I you do. more excited for Caleb Williams. I'm I excited. Be I'm
2: excited for any and all possibilities.
0: I da- I the Daniel world is Jones. my oyster this awesome. i Daniel off-season. Jones and Tyrod Taylor. And you're over there with Justin Fields and Caleb Williams yeah. not smiling. Suck I need to it, Sweeney. Sm- that's I need to what I'm saying. <laughs> I need to see a smile from you this week. Weekend. This weekend's about you. Do you want to Kayla watch Williams. the
1: Notre Dame USC game together, Mark? And sure. Uh, now your excitement will probably as long as your voice also. stays. I'll gladly watch that. It with is you. hanging on by a thread here. Keep on your shirt on. Too. Monday morning. Uh, let's hit a morning check down. A lot of hoops to get to.
0: I meant to ask, how did Notre Dame basketball do this weekend? Did they win? Who did they play? They were down 29 oh, to no. Syracuse. To Syracuse? They fought back and had three shots
1: at forcing overtime in the final minute. Oh, it was one of the more man. spirited comebacks good you'll for, see. Good for so, them.
0: Quite the effort by the fighting Shrewsbury. See, there you go. Mike Woodson's team would have laid down and died, but I Shrewsbury. Uh, not Shrewsbury. Anyway, Pacers winners last night, uh, one thirty-three, one eleven over the Dallas Mavericks. One of the big stories coming from the game: Ben Shepard, the rookie, five of six from the field, hit five threes, fifteen points in twelve minutes. Here's Rick Carlisle on his rookie.
3: For a young guy, he's he's a he's a very good he's a very good system player, and he stays in the process. You know, he's he's unfazed by the moment. And if there's a good shot, he takes it. If not, he keeps it moving. Um, defensively, you know, he does a good job with his length and with his feet and is, has been pretty good with avoiding fouls for a rookie. And look, we need him.
0: Back to back, Pacers hosting the Raptors tonight in Gamebridge. That went open as a five and a half point favorite for the Pacers up to six and a half. You're over under. 2.45 and a half, our coverage on the fan tonight at 6.30. And yeah, that Ben Shepard sequence he's referring to there,
1: that three out of the timeout, I thought just a huge moment by the rookie. The Pacers able to, you know, rest guys even a little bit those final few minutes, which could be beneficial here on the back-to-back. All right, last night, or I guess yesterday afternoon in Ann Arbor, it sounded like West Lafayette, frankly, for the Boilers. Uh, they beat Michigan. They score 84, does that sound right?
0: 84 yeah. for the final there. 84-76
1: your final. And I bring that up because 29% from three, 68% from the foul line. Yet they still score 84. Just domination on the glass. Zach Eady with Shaq, 35 and six or 35 and 15 for him. I'd just say the one nitpick for Purdue here moving forward is just can you live with Fletcher Lawyer like yeah, this?
0: I, I think that's. I think the second one would be, and I know Painter talked about this after the game. You know they had the they had the game at like eight to ten to twelve. For the majority there of the second half, they really had a chance. And this one, it comes back to the three-point shooting that you mentioned, just seven of 24, 29% from three yesterday. They had a chance to kind of push the game and make it instead of 10, you make it 15, then it's 17, then it's 20, then it's over. They didn't do that. How hot takey do you want to be with that? I'm not too hot takey and never felt like Purdue was ever going to lose that game. And then the second thing would be Fletcher Lawyer. Yeah, I mean, he had, I know he knocked down, well, I believe it was one three that was open, um, but just one of five from three-point range, and he's getting great looks, is he not? I mean, he's getting fantastic looks in their offense. Uh, That would worry me. I think we're a couple weeks in of him not scoring the basketball well, but uh, if you can get that back for the Big Ten tournament, you'll be fine. We could be
1: looking at Purdue winning the Big Ten <clears throat> by multiple games oh, for sure. a second straight year. It I can't no imagine that has happened too many times in the history of this conference. Uh, going back to Saturday, it was an ugly one in state college for the Hoosiers. Typical shooting performance for IU, 83 74. They have now lost four straight, eight of 10, 14 and 13 on the. I can't believe the record's gotten there. Like, it's not even NIT.
0: Oh, no. What, do they even want to play in the NIT? Well, I mean that's a whole. they different might not discussion. have a choice,
1: frankly, with how their record is right now. They've got Wisconsin tomorrow night. Uh, yeah, just awful. The win list against teams named Rutgers, Northwestern, Penn State, and Nebraska this season. T- 13% from three, 56% from the foul line. Boom. Mackenzie and Baco, I guess, save the day. They're looking like they're working to hit a three again uh, for another road game in the Big Ten. Hits one with 90 <laughs> seconds to go. IU loses to Penn State.
0: Yeah, the only other thing, Butler losers, 76 64. I mean, Butler, man, they've had a chance here. They've had a chance. They've lost four in a row, five out of six now. The only win uh, was against Providence. I know, you know, some of these are good teams Marquette, Creighton, these are quad a one opportunity. Seen Hall on the road, but boy, they really needed that one over the weekend. They didn't get it. And now to me, St. John's on Wednesday is a big game. St. John's got that win over Creighton. They're trying to show some life. They're still not a tournament team, uh but they're trying to show some life. Butler really needs that game, but to me, Butler needs to win the next three and they probably need what two in the Big East tournament. Are we looking at five straight by Butler to have a to feel like they're going to make the tournament? Yeah, I if think not, a lot of it depends on
1: what the win looks like in Madison Square Garden. Obviously, if UConn or Marquette is one of those wins that would look a little different than like a Providence being that win there. So uh, nonetheless, they're going to have to get some stuff done in Madison Square Garden for the Big East Tournament. (laughs) Lastly, shout out to our four winners of the Girls Basketball State Finals on Saturday. Tyrese Halliburton in the building watching the LC Bears. How was he really? Good for him. 55-28 over Lake Central. Huge second quarter there. What a run for LC. They have certainly not had playoff success really at all from a Girls Basketball standpoint. They take home the 4A, Gibson Southern 3A, Bishop Lewers 2A, and the Fighting Gray, Greg Rakestraws. Oh, they boy. There you go. back to back. Lanesville winning the Class A title. And we got sectional week here for the boys.
0: Yeah, I know several people that are up there cheering on Lanesville. So there you go. Good job, Rakestraw. Valley Victorian. Greg Rakestraw. Remember, Mark, when he joined us
1: Friday, he was he was mayoring it up, right? Oh, yeah. Was he
0: pumped up? Uh-huh. He was pumped. Cousin's was
1: daughter on the team. That's not mm-hmm. right?
4: I Good believe for he him. shared
1: us that there. So back-to-back end back boys, sectionals starting tomorrow night. Uh, hopefully weather cooperates. Looks like temp's going to drop a little bit, but hopefully avoid that sectional snow that seems to pop up each year. All right, we'll continue a little uh, b-ball conversation on the other side. It is the wake-up call here. KB and Andy,
5: 93.51075. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpteck ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation.
0: I saw this a couple weeks ago and it made some news. I, I think the star even did something on it, KB. Did you see that the Indianapolis Colts fans were ranked third drunkest in the NFL this past season? Really? Yeah, third drunkest in the NFL. Now,
1: how does this get evaluated?
0: Uh, I have no, you know, they, I, I actually have no idea. They have different metrics, how many beers you sell, and all, and all that different stuff. Uh, maybe even so like what you have around your stadium. My question is, how do we get to number one? Well, I, let's I'd, go. Let's go. Let's get to the. They're road. very well behaved
2: drunks. If that's the case, yeah, I don't w- see too many fights. I would agree that would be with rare that. air,
1: certainly. Yeah, we've we've brought this up before in the show. I think Lucas Oil Stadium is the least fighted stadium of any in the NFL. If that's a word. Uh, Do you ever see videos in Lucas Oil Stadium of fights?
0: Listen, I, I'm total. I'm totally with you. I did tell. I told my wife one time. She was like, "Would you want to go to?" And I remember she mentioned a game, and I was like, "Honey, we're never gonna go to a, a Giants game in Philadelphia." Like, <laughs> like they'll pour a beer on me, and then they'll pour a beer on you. That's why uh, your
1: Giants are struggling right yeah, now. You yeah, have mm-hmm. a soft fan base.
0: Yeah, but exactly. I was like, I'm never doing that. So third drunkest Indianapolis Colts fans. Who are first Pat yourself second. on the back. I don't know. I don't have this story up. In and I, I, Again, sure I, don't, I don't know how you
2: even judge that. How, you're not doing breathalyzers for every fan there. You're not counting pregame beers. How how, do you, how are you judging that? It seems a bit.
0: Well, I'm trying to give them that's some a love, wonky, guys. That's a wonky trying to give them some love. ranking, I you're think. You're calling it fake news. Mark Dykton's going fake news on this Monday.
1: Trying to give the Colts fans a little pat on the back. The games are so early, 1 o'clock every Sunday, they don't have a time to pregame. Is that what you're saying, Mark?
2: Yeah. You pregaming in the church parking
0: lot after mass? What are you doing? This this may be why it's BS. They had the Kansas City Chiefs as drinking the least. You got to feel like that's not true, right? They don't really have any reasons to drink in a bad way. And, And you have the Titans. Okay, here it is. The Titans were first... And the Steelers were second. I could see the Steelers, could not see the Tennessee Titans. Now you can go on Broadway and go to all those Broadway bars that Jake Query loves, and then you can walk right over to the Titans stadium. But again, as Mark would say, how are you uh you know, how are you tracking how many pregame drinks at the Kid Rock bar somebody's having yeah. before they walk over? Did you say you were at the Pacer game last night? I was not. I had several oh. buddies that were. No, I had gotta, a buddy, gotta, I had a gotta, buddy gotta. who had the Jake Query seats, if you will. He gotcha. was up close. He was smelling Tyrese Halliburton. Oh, Was he sitting by the Harbaugh's? Uh, he was not. I don't believe sitting by the Harbaugh's. Where's Tom Cream, by the way? He's calling games. Yeah, but how, I mean, that was on, what, Saturday. How was Harbaugh not next to the, or how was Crean not next to the Harbaugh's? What are we doing?
1: Um, Come pa- on, Cream. <laughs> Pacers now won three in a row, 33-25 and 25 on the year and they are knock, it's jumbled, but they are knocking on a position in the Eastern Conference to be hosting a round one series with where things are health-wise for New York and Philly. You've got the head-to-head over each of those two teams. Uh, Pacers are 2-8 and eight on the second night of back-to-backs. We'll see how that hmm. plays into tonight facing the Raptors. But we mentioned this. I think we had Rick Carlisle on WECO Tuesday. You know, Coming out of the break, I thought you had a very manageable first seven games. I think you can make the argument last night is probably the most difficult opponent in these first seven. I thought, you know, anything right around five and two, six and one should be doable. And you've gotten through that one, you know, tonight, naturally, anytime you have a back to back, it's going to be difficult. Uh, but that I think is a very important sign to try and build something here. Because if you look at the start of March, I think it's five of your first six on the road. And the one home game is Minnesota. Who's the best team in the West. So, uh, very important right now for the Pacers to take advantage of it. And, and last night, again, it, it doesn't look like the norm. Halliburton didn't have 30, or Siakam didn't have 28, but it's one of their better wins of the season when you consider, to me, the whys behind it. Shepard going for a career high, making big plays in the fourth quarter. Nemhard, Mather doing other things for you. Turner has a big yeah. scoring Se- night. Seven guys double figures without hitting, you know, six or seven threes. That you know, winning in different ways defensively as well. Against Kyrie and Luca, very important step for the Pacers.
0: Yeah, Carlisle after the game talked a lot about Nemhard, and we need to play some of that sound maybe in our next next seven checkout. of eight from the floor. Nembhard. Yeah, just how you know his defense has always been there. He's been in the starting lineup. He struggled with his shot, struggled offensively. Uh, you didn't see that last night. What seven guys in double figures? One other thing that we did not mention: uh, you're right, the Sixers and the Knicks. Having their issues, both lost over the weekend, both have those injury issues. Julius Randle very well could miss the remainder of the season. That is that is very much on the table. Did you see Trey Young's gonna be out at least four weeks for Atlanta? And they're uh, like
1: what back into the play in yeah, I mean, right now?
0: They're back in, but they're a team that, you know, if the Pacers fell into the play-in, we talked about this last week. You know, suddenly you're in the play-in and Trey Young has fifty-six points and is hitting half court threes. Now Trey Young out at least four weeks. They're going to reevaluate him uh, in four weeks as a hand injury. So you look at Atlanta, uh, a back end of the Eastern Conference team. You're going to be facing down the stretch. You look at the Knicks, and you look at the Sixers. If you're the Indiana Pacers, with this schedule, what, 25 games or 24 games remaining, um, being a top six seed is absolutely something uh, that that we should expect that should be on the horizon here over the next month and a half. All right, let's do our goats of the weekend. Hit the open market.
4: Who is the goat? I told you all
6: that I was the greatest of all time. Jordan, here's Michael at the foul line. A shot on Elo. Go! That's what I'm talking about. That's why he's everything. That's why he's the goat. The goat. Or goat. Hey.
0: This guy sucks of the week. I'm a man, I'm a man. All right, the good and bad of the weekend are goats of the weekend. Uh, I'm ready to go. I'll give you my good goat of the Cap? weekend. You ready for this? Let's hear it. It involves Mark Dykhton. I'm gonna under oh. I'm I'm interested in Mark knows where I'm going here. So in the wee hours. Uh, what was it Sunday morning mm-hmm. Cody Bellinger signed a 3 year deal with the Chicago Cubs. Now there's all sorts of player options so it's you know may may you know might end up be more of a one or two year deal but he was a big free agent mm-hmm. the Cubs wanted to keep him. Jeff Passant b- broke the story. You know he breaks many stories in Major League Baseball. Did you see who actually broke the story though Mark? D- have you followed this at all? I mean, it was like five in the morning when, when it broke, it, so I was, was I was not paying it attention. It was even earlier. A woman by the name of Lisa on Twitter tweeted at Passen, "Hey, have have you heard anything? My friend in they're in Arizona, right? That's mm-hmm. where the spring training yep. is, Mesa. My 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 friend in Arizona said the Cubs just locked up Cody Bellinger, and she tweeted this at like two a.m." And so everyone's like, you know, tweeting about it. Lisa doesn't know what she's talking about. Three hours later, Jeff Passan puts out there, Cody Bellinger, three-year deal with the Chicago Cubs and simply known on the internet as Lisa was the one that reported wow. Bellinger to the Chicago Cubs in the wee hours of Saturday morning. Go to the weekend. The Good least, for her.
1: Lisa on the internet could probably get you in trouble if you mm-hmm. were to search that there. Shout out to her. Do we know anything about her? Is she a friend, an
0: acquaintance of Mr. Bellinger? Uh at know absolutely nothing about her other than Lisa. That Lisa explains
2: the passing tweet that said Lisa was right, because I saw yeah. that and I'm like, what the hell is he talking about? Yep, Lisa guess,
1: was right. Mark, I'm indirectly gonna go for my goat from the weekend to you. Uh, the scene last night of Patrick Kane scoring that game. stealing all my oh, stuff. Winning wow. goal. Again, I, I, I guess we talked about this a little bit in the old court storming debate. <clears throat> I love tradition. I love the raw emotion of sports. I love pageantry and just you're creating those scenes that you don't get normally last night was one of those in hockey for him you know going back to um to Chicago and mm-hmm. that raw emotion that you see from him uh scoring that goal uh obviously the crap I mean that that like that's stuff you can't really script so uh, that to me I, I we don't get it too often in professional sports like I don't think Bruce Brown will create that tonight of course here uh back at Gamebridge fieldhouse but for Patrick Kane and Mark you can probably speak to it better uh, certainly one of the more decorated Blackhawks ever uh, for him to have that moment. I know you probably didn't love it, uh, but I thought it was pretty darn
2: cool. I actually did like it because I love Patrick Kane and it stinks that he's in a Red Wings jersey, but that was still a hell of a way to end it. And it was a crazy Breakaway night
1: goal for those that missed yeah.
2: it in OT. It was a crazy night in the uh, United Center anyway, because it was also Chris Chelios's retirement night. So Michael Jordan was in the house. He couldn't be there for the Bulls reunion, of course, but he's there for the Chelios reunion <laughs> and all that stuff. So it was a who's who. If you missed it, here's what the sound oh, of good. the goal is. We have sound. sound. I like this. It's Patrick
6: Kane in Chicago.
2: And that's that the call. sound on the Bally's uh, call in Detroit. But you can hear by the crowd, it's a home game for the Blackhawks. But the fans loved every second well, of Patrick King the, getting the um,
1: Again, kind of the overhead shot of it all. You can see, Kane, and Cherry picks, not the right phrase, but you can kind of see him getting ready to leak out. Like He he knows there's an opportunity here to have that moment. Uh, quite the cool scene
2: yeah. there. I mean, th- that was my bad, but it was a good bad because it was in a Red Wings jersey. But that was my good bad. And then my good was Cody Bellinger signing with the Cubs. I think oh, it's a good deal for... For the Cubs and Bellinger, because it's a three-year deal, but there are player opt-outs in both the first two years. But thirty million the first two years, twenty million in the third year if he chooses to stay. That's far below the expectation that he was going to get a two hundred million dollar contract. Oh. But uh, very good for the Cubs. They made a move for Bellinger. They brought him back. Now add another bat, another arm, and we are good to go. Baseball
0: talk, yes, Look at sir. Like, like baseball and hockey talk on a Monday. Who's got it better than us? All right, my my uh, my bat of the weekend. It's got to be Tom Izzo. Tom Izzo lost at home to Ohio State. Uh, and Ohio State and their interim coach. Is That's, Jake Diebler getting the job? I, I don't know. It's uh, He beat Purdue, then he lost to Minnesota, and then he went on the road and beat Ohio State. Those are the three games in which he's coached. But, you know, they're very much a bubble team. Michigan State has been. We've done a lot of Indiana talk. Indiana and Michigan State are two teams that are directly responsible for the Big Ten being as blah as it's been this season. Period. End of discussion. Michigan State, they lost to Iowa on Tuesday as a 10-point favorite, and they lost to Ohio State at home on Sunday as a 9.5-point favorite. Back-to-back home losses to NIT-type teams in the Big Ten. Uh, Izzo's supposed to get his teams ready late February, moving into March. They haven't been talked about, and they have been easily, to me, the most disappointing team in the country this season. They were they were seen as a one or a two seed before the season. KB, my negative goat of the week, and this probably dates back a little bit to last week
1: when the chatter continued to rise on the expansion, of the NCAA tournament. I mean, you just Ugh. debated Michigan State and their resume. We you know we debate whatever Butler and their resume, Indiana State, if they fall into the at-large pool. Can you imagine if Ugh. we stretch this to ninety-six or 128, whatever we're going to do, and the types of resumes we are going to be debating here. Again, the regular season should have some merit. There should be some anticipation for these games, and you should have to earn a spot and not be given it. And so, I mean, you can already largely schedule your way to the bubble. I mean, with how you can manipulate, especially the power conference teams, how you can manipulate the schedule and those sorts of things, you can create a pretty darn good-looking resume without having a ton of success, actually. Um, and then all of a sudden, if we're going to expand it to 96 or 128, and I really hope when that con- w- w- when that time comes, I don't all of a sudden change. Oh, it's the greatest thing in the world. I love having an extra two days of the tournament. No. Uh, there should be zero expansion of the tournament. He- hell, I-, I-, I wouldn't even mind it going back to 64, but I don't know. Maybe you can talk me into Dayton. Uh, 68 is fine. Don't touch it whatsoever.
0: Yeah, I mean, we're talking about I did see I did see a graphic that we would be talking about teams like Florida State who's fourteen and thirteen. We'd be talking about teams like Rutgers at fourteen and thirteen. Uh we've been I mean, talking hell, I, I use mean, fourteen yeah, and thirteen. I would know, we be talking about them? I, I mean we possibly would, but no, we'd be talking about teams I mean, what that the very hell? much would be five hundred type teams. It's that, ridiculous. That is just, again, this is
1: not high school participation trophy. Everybody gets into the tournament. You should half to earn that spot, and I'm a big believer in the conference tournaments provide such an opportunity for you. You've got to position 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 yourself for that. It's not easy, but if you can get on a run in your conference tournament, boom, that is your chance to make up for a poor regular season, however you want to describe it. So that's my negative goat. Uh,
2: you, you want to talk about a way to completely water down the regular season and make it meaningless? That would be how you do it. Well,
1: yeah. and, and again, you're going to have one or two teams that in that first era of the new tournament that'll get on a run, and everyone will sit there and be like, this is exactly why that you do it. There has to be an element of November to March should matter. It should have some merit to it. It doesn't need to be the end-all, be-all. We got 68 of 330-some teams make it, and again, the high major conferences, that percentage is a lot higher uh, based off, we know the mid-majors, tons of them are you know one-bid leagues, so they don't fall into the same boat to be able to make the tournament, so uh, yeah, I'm steadfast, and that the NCAA tournament should not expand the whatsoever. N- the
0: NFL and even college football, they can add a little bit, and and we're fine with it. We'll roll with it. But Major League Baseball cannot. Um, hockey cannot. Good God, we know the NBA and the battle over their schedule. They cannot. These other sports cannot. And college basketball thinks giving us a watered-down product is something that we're going to watch. We only do that with football, and we only do it within the construct, quite frankly, of the NFL. We don't watch the Arena League. We don't. We don't watch the CFL. We don't watch the XFL or the USFL. All these different uh, entities that are out there. I don't know why they think this is a good idea. By the way, as a um, as an aside, I could have went with Tony Bennett. Virginia scored under 50 points KB in three straight games. That's tough to do. Yeah, they have been. That's not easy.
1: And Rick Carlisle was at yeah. one of those games, right?
0: I mean, can you imagine Rick Carlisle sitting there, his offensive philosophy watching Tony Bennett score 47 points in a basketball game? Yeah. Oh,
1: God. Painful, painful. Uh, all right, coming up, 9 o'clock hour again. Uh, we'll talk that NIL news item that uh, it kind of came out, I guess it would have been Friday night there, the Wild Wild West getting even wilder on that. And Kaylin Kaler from The Athletic, she's got a fun event here during Combine Week with, I would say, a marquee Colts player. Uh, she'll share that with us and some Caleb Williams news maybe from Mark Dykton coming up. A little bit later in the 9 o'clock hour. It is the wake-up call here on 935 The family.
5: I never do this. Who? Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kisimta Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kisimta And check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Who is this, Mark? What music? Three Eleven. Oh, is that who it was? Okay, beautiful fig- disaster. Yeah, I figured I should have known that. I, I was
0: like, Who is this, Mark Dykstra? Any was always reason, usually Mark's got a reason. No. beautiful disaster. Song driving
2: Song that came on while I was voices? driving the other day, and I was like, That's a good song. I'm play that song go, on Monday. A couple of voices. IU basketball season. Ugh, our voices. Yes, hanging on by a thread
1: your, here.
0: Your your lungs right now. My lungs right now. Open to interpretation. Yeah, How about that? You we put go. it however
2: you want.
1: We love that. Not the weather outside today. Going to be glorious. Gonna be, it's going to be great today. Start
2: a combine week here
1: in town again. We'll be down there Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Chris Bauer going to join us coming up Thursday morning tomorrow. Uh, Rick Carlisle in his usual eight o'clock spot. Daniel Jeremiah. 9 o'clock, so I know uh, frequent viewers of the Combine, they see a whole lot of Daniel Jeremiah uh, and Rich Eisen on the uh, network broadcast, so uh, he is going to join us coming up at 9 tomorrow.
0: Have you ever ran the 40? I know Rich Eisen always runs the 40 for charity. Has Kevin Bone ever been allowed in Lucas Oil to uh, drop down on one hand and run I, the 40-yard dash? I not run
1: inside of Lucas Oil, but really? I, I, I have don't done like that. a media Combine before, um, but yeah, I can't say I have done it at, at at Lucas Who was
0: involved in the media combine locally? How well, I did one when I was that? in
1: college at IU. Oh, I'm uh, sure. And then did one uh, with the Colts. This would have been hell. This would have been almost ten years ago by this point. Probably eight years ago, something okay. like that. There. Right. So yeah, when Chris Hagan and I believe Mike Wells both have torn their Achilles doing you know other sports activities, it's probably best that we stay away from.
0: No, that. It wasn't around. It wasn't around the combine stuff. There was like they were no, I think celebrity soft, or
1: like- I think it was celebrity softball. For, oh yeah, no. one of them. They yeah. hurt
0: themselves playing softball. Yeah, that I believe is that is correct. That uh, is brutal. And again,
1: for those who missed it, uh the one franchise tag news item over the weekend T Higgins getting that from the Bengals, so makes uh, sense. Um, that is a I think that is the most again like-minded kind of whiteout for Michael Pittman Jr. in his status, so what type of influence does it? Granted since he's in a much different cap situation with starting to pay Joe Burrow last September, but uh the trickle-down effect with Michael Pittman Jr. will be something to keep an eye on. 8 days left in that franchise tag window. All right, some big NIL-related news over the weekend. Uh, Dan Luss, great sports lawyer out there. You've heard him on our airways before. He joins us to explain more on the other side.
0: All right, 9 o'clock hour, as always, hanging out with you in the drivehubler.com studios. KB and Andy, wake-up call here uh, on the Fan Combine Week in Indianapolis. We'll be out there, the convention center, uh, right down the street from us Wednesday Thursday and Friday. Shane Steichen and Chris Ballard will be meeting with the media coming up on Wednesday afternoon. Uh, We are slotted to have General Manager Chris Ballard on our air uh, on this show coming up 9.30 on Thursday. So it's going to be a fun week. Uh, Cannot wait for it as well. All right, so let's Uh, All the college basketball conversation we've had, the court storming conversation uh, we've had and all the combine stuff. We'll pause it here for a couple minutes because over the weekend, uh, a story that was a big story, I think on Friday, maybe slid under the radar the rest of the weekend. And that is a federal judge, uh, an injunction in the Tennessee case and what that means. For NIL, for NIL collectives, the Wild West right now, that is name, image, and likeness. And to talk about it, Dan Lust joins us here uh, on the Payless Liquors Hotline. He's a law professor, in New York Law School. He's host of the podcast, Conduct Detrimental. You can find him on Twitter at Sports Law Lust. Dan, good morning. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Can you catch us up on this story? Obviously, we know Tennessee sued the NCAA that a federal judge the injunction uh, take us from the beginning and also what happened this weekend and what it means for NIL and collectives.
6: Good morning and uh, it's funny that you said that this flew under the radar. In my world, this is a five-alarm fire. That's <laughs> sure. all I'm seeing on my feet. So uh, we must have different algorithms over here. But yes, I'll, I'll kind of work us up to the present and explain the significance of this case so um you know unless you're living under a rock the nil era has been in full effect in july of 2021 and in that time frame you know now we're going on about two and a half years the ncaa has really not punished any schools seldom for miami women's basketball florida state football but that's really it two punishments in a two and a half year period so what happened really in February of 2024, very recently, there were two announcements. One that Florida University was being investigated for potential punishments. Um, and that would be the third, we'll say, investigation or punishment in the state of Florida. And then it was announced that Tennessee University was being investigated for a uh, potential infractions relating to one of their collectives. And the collectives is a very fancy way to say boosters that have pulled their money together to try to pay college athletes. So Tennessee is the first investigation of a of a high profile magnitude that was announced outside of the state of Florida. And what happened is Tennessee's Attorney General said, listen, state law allows us to do this and the fact that the NCA says that we can't is in conflict with our state laws and we want to therefore in the NCA's ability to punish us as Tennessee and all the states around the country were looking at this because this is very apropos around the country, that state law allows this to happen, and the NCA's rules are in violation of state law. Um, so this was a, a lawsuit that was filed really earlier in February, um, and what we had on Friday, late Friday afternoon, is the judge agreed with Tennessee and said, listen, we are going to enact a preliminary injunction, what you might call a, a temporary restraining order. We are not going to allow the NCA to punish or otherwise investigate schools where it conflicts with state law. So I'm happy to break it down further, but the NCA is very much, uh, let's say they have, they have these big fangs like they were vampires. We've now filed the fangs down, and they have no teeth for the foreseeable future
0: to punish any schools for these types of infractions. What's the next move for the NCAA then in all of this? You know, it's twofold. They can certainly appeal this, right? So
6: it's not a final ruling. They can send this up to the next uh, level of courts in Tennessee. It's a federal court case. And they should get even higher, certainly, number one. Uh and number two, what I think is the more realistic option um is that Tennessee is or Tennessee's lawsuit here is gonna force the NCA to try to go to Congress, get in their hands and knees and beg for what we would call an antitrust exemption. That's that's where this is all coming from. The NCA's ability to curtail competition in the sake of saving amateurism. courts don't agree that the ncaa can do this but if congress says yes the ncaa can do this and they have a right to curtail competition in the sake of preserving competition preserving amateurism that's the ncaa's trump card so to speak um you know they've tried i think upwards of 10 times to go to congress but this is something that might be a game changer for congress to say you know what Maybe it's time to save the NCA, but so far, at least, Congress hasn't felt the need to do anything. They've had a whole bunch of nothing, 10 congressional hearings, and no federal laws to speak of, no antitrust exemptions, but I think that's the NCA's next move here. And certainly they've appointed Charlie, Brake, Charlie Baker to be the new NCA president. He's a former governor of Massachusetts. That's the political power you, you brought this guy on board for. And I, I think that's a, a, the NCA's next chess move here.
1: And he's uh, Dan Lust, Sports Law Lust. You can follow him on Twitter, Join us here on the Pay Less Slickers Hotline. <clears throat> Dan, is this just me and the Rich Get Richer, the collectives that had the most money and were willing to. Whatever, fud some rules uh, prior are now certainly have uh, handcuffs off with all of that.
6: Yeah, and, and I, I think it's a fair point, And I think, you know, people are saying the floodgates are open. And I'm like, well, I'm not sure how much these collectives were scared of the NCA beforehand. So, sure. you know, I don't see such a seismic shift. If anything, you might have the less or uh, the more risk averse. Collectives for the smaller programs, and maybe they they start to get more aggressive. But I don't think this changes very much the operating procedure of those collectives, which have been doing this for some time. I think the interesting part, which I kind of fast forwarded through, Tennessee was being you know investigated or potentially punished for actions that occurred you know as far back as 2021 and 2022. So you know there, there was some school of thought that said this isn't gonna change the landscape because all these schools are already doing this in 2023 and 2024. Why are we punishing what Tennessee did in 2021? So, yeah, I think there's certainly a version that says the rich get richer, but I think the, more, the, the better way to look at it is that, you know, for all these people out here saying that this was the wild, wild west, there is no sheriff anymore because the NCAA can't punish activities. So there is no sheriff. So whatever phrasing why one would call it the wild, wild west, there's no one in town to police this. The federal government doesn't want to do it. The N.C. is now being punished and being, uh, you know, uh, you know, told in state court that they're wrong. So I'm not sure who's there to punish this. So we now have a totally free market at least for, you know, the interim until the NCAA tries to uh, appeal this or or go back to Congress. Why don't you think
1: the acronym of NIL ever really became name, image, likeness? Like, I I guess my question, Dan, was, okay, boom, Zach Eadie, name, image, likeness. He's going to have whatever, an autograph signing at the Purdue bookstore or, you know, he's going to go to the local, you know, whatever, Buffalo Wild Wings and do some autograph giveaway there. It seemed like name, image, likeness never really became that like you've earned it at the college therefore you can benefit off of that um, why don't you think nil ever really ended up being the acronym that it is
6: um i think i how i understand your question at least i mean I, at least under nca rules now and obviously we're having a conversation DNC rules might not exist but you weren't allowed to get just paid money you had to perform some type of services you had to you know, and I think in the first few months of NIL, it was that you had to have some type of endorsement that you were tied to, some type of marketing activation. And then what had since become, um, for better or for worse, is that people found ways to get around it. That you you could basically get paid for the right to use your NIL, and maybe some uh, collectives, some type of you know partnerships weren't really using a player's NIL and exploiting it the way that was initially conceived. And let's say they were getting paid. I'm going to make up a number here, right? $3 million for one Instagram post. And it's not really market value. So people just said that was kind of sham consideration. Um, And these collective payments, I think people are pointing to as saying, this is not true name, image, and like. This is not Gatorade. This is not, you know, Adidas. It's not one of these big companies it's just somebody's getting paid and on paper it's saying that their name image and likeness is being compensated for. when you know i don't i don't think anyone's instagram post is worth three million dollars or a million dollars or anything like that so i I think that's what it kind of developed into for better for worse that athletes were getting paid in ways that their services didn't really account for those you know those type of payments, but you know at least on the books of the NCA, yes, they, they were getting paid for services, but maybe those services weren't quite worth what they were getting paid to do them.
0: Dan Lust with us here on the uh, Payless Slickers Hotline. He's a law professor at the New York uh, Law School, is also the host of the podcast Conjunct Dr- Detrimental at Sports Law Lust. If you want to follow him on Twitter, what's the time frame here or the next move? How long? Uh, Is this injunction going to last that NIL collectives can basically do whatever they want? Well,
5: it,
6: it's going to stand until the NCA, you know, choose to file an appeal, or they go to Congress, or or, or otherwise. I mean, there certainly were where they let this go. I, I don't, I don't necessarily see it. And I think what we should point out here is that, um, you know, originally this was filed by Tennessee's Attorney General and Virginia's Attorney General. They filed for this temporary restraining order, and they lost. Right? They lost about a week or two ago, and they they made what we would call a supplemental briefing, a supplemental filing, almost like a motion for reconsideration, and they won. So. You know, they've tried twice. The first time they lost, the second time they won. So if you were to tell me, hey, it's the rubber match, the NCAA is going for best two out of three here, mm. that wouldn't shock me. Um, and, I, and I would be surprised if the NCAA took this sitting down, right? You guys would know. I mean, the NCAA has their HQ over in Indianapolis. they right. certainly pay these high salaries to do something, right? You, I'd be very surprised if they sat on their hands and did absolutely nothing here. So, you know, let's see what this time frame is. I mean, the other part of this equation – there was nothing stopping another state's attorney general from filing the same lawsuit, be it in New York where I'm from or in Florida or in Texas or any of these other states. So I think, you know, once another state gets the whiff that the NCA might be trying to challenge this, I would go right to court. You know, this is very much a politically motivated world. And if you want to be the attorney general in another state that helped put the nail in the coffin, you know, you, you would want to file the same lawsuit that Tennessee and Virginia just had some success on. And the courts are saying that they're likely to win on the underlying merits, they just might not win on this early, you know, we'll say interim procedure, which is a temporary restraining order. Um, So, yeah, I mean... The battlefield is not yet done yet, but I, I think this is a big shot across the bow that the NCAA is probably going to lose this case in the long run. But this might be band aids, patchwork, whatever you want to call it. But the courts are certainly saying that the NCAA is going to lose this in the long run. But I don't think the NCAA is done fighting this in the short run.
0: Dan, last one for me. The NCAA, you know, a few years ago, you I mean you mentioned when uh, all this the NIL you know stuff really started to pick up. The NCAA was so against it. Do you feel like if they would have? worked with institutions, had, you know, actually had rules, uh, not been tardy in creating rules, and worked with NIL programs and collectives that some of this nastiness could have been avoided? Or do you think we always were going to end up with this being a fight in the courts? I'm
6: I'm really happy you asked that. It's a point that gets lost a lot now that we're almost, you know, three years into this world. The NCAA was very slow to act. The first domino here was really a case, the Ed O'Bannon case, you know, now now dating back almost 10 years, but it was that NCAA video game case that basically said that players have a right to be compensated for their name, image, and likeness. That's been on the books for almost 10 years. So we can go back and say, hey, July 1, 2021, the NCAA was caught flat-footed. They didn't know what to do. That's just not the case. That's just not factually true. The NCAA had plenty of time to prepare for this, and they dragged their feet. And what happens is, when you know, truthfully, state law, um be it California, Florida, a number of different states, about half the states across the country, passed their own versions of NIL law with slight variations that created this kind of fragmented landscape which led to the chaos that we're in right now. Tennessee's law might be different from New York's law and New Jersey's law and Florida's law. So those laws were only created because the NCAA failed to act and failed to recognize NIL. So yeah, I think NCA had their own version of NIL. I don't think these states would have wasted all these resources trying to create the patchwork that was left but the NCA abdicated the, the field. So, yeah, I think 100%, this is... You know, I'm, I'm from New York, guys, and I know you guys are football fans. This is very much like Plexico Burr shooting himself in the foot. This is a self-inflicted <laughs> wound that was very much avoidable if the NCAA had just gotten in front of this, but they kept kicking the can, they kept punting, and then the state state law, state actors came in and, and forced their hands. So I'm, I'm certainly not one that says we needed state government in this, but the NCAA left really no alternative for the space.
1: Dan, last one, how many states will you will fall in line you think with Tennessee and Virginia? Is this pretty universal across the entire US?
6: Well, the question is whether a state wants to waste the resources filing this type of lawsuit. If they think that Tennessee and Virginia's attorney general have done enough and the NCAA is going to act on their own, they're not going to do it, right? It's always a question of budgets and who wants to waste the time filing these lawsuits. Um, you know, I, that's, that's, I think, the waiting game here. Do I, do I think all 50 states could do this? Yeah, I do. But I do think there are more important things than, you know, uh, college basketball or college football. Um, but I, I would expect at least one or two other states follow the lead. There was a big case in North Carolina about transfer restrictions, and eight attorney generals uh, joined that case. So um, that, that does show you there's an appetite for further attorney general action. So I'd be surprised if no other states filed suit. Um, you know, at this point.
1: Well, if you want to get elected in SEC country, you'll know what uh, no to kidding. do on that end. Dan Lust, sports law lust on Twitter. Dan, always enjoy our combos. I know they don't happen too often, but great stuff per usual. <laughs>
6: My line is always open. Happy to help, guys.
1: Thanks, Sam. Uh, again, Dan Love, sports lawyer. You hear him around this time of year, I guess, when these sorts of topics come up. And, uh, yeah, the old sheriff analogy of there's no sheriff in the wild, wild west. That is where we
0: are at right now. Well, it's just – it's one of those things that – the reason I asked that is it didn't have to be this way. And the NCAA, and I know they're a punching bag – the NCAA, you know, the, by kicking it down the road, by kicking the can down the road, like Dan said, you know, they have forced others' hands, and what I don't understand is, you know, the NCAA doesn't have the power that they think they have in all of this.
1: It's hard to go back and legislate after you've had the door open, yeah, you know, and I, then I, if you try to close it a little bit, like, that's it's not going to go well uh, with that, um, and, and I think that's largely what you're seeing with how nils played out, and maybe I didn't ask the question the, the the right way to Dan that I wanted to, but again, to me, Andy, name, image, likeness was never that; it was always pay for play. Yeah, it, it was never actually, you know. You brought up Christian Watford earlier in the show, you know, benefiting off of that shot and the images of those shot, right. et cetera, et cetera. No, no, no. Nowadays, Christian Watford, a four-star recruit out of Birmingham, Alabama, gets the whatever six-figure deal to come to Bloomington, and and, and maybe that's how it should be frankly maybe the, maybe in high school he's earned that um, you know part of me thinks you, you need to earn it on another level before you start to receive those types of whatever payments but then you go to these major universities and you watch how even freshmen that have never played a down or played a minute for their respective teams how they are praised and heralded and the type of you know money they bring into their school maybe they should already be receiving a cut of that before they even put
0: on the uniform. Now, the other side of this, and we'll get to a check down here in a second. The other side of this, KB, was, I know Dennis Dodd of CBS wrote about this as well, that the number, and maybe even Adam Schefter had a tweet about it this weekend. I don't know if you guys saw this or not, about the amount of unhappy coaches in college football that are trying to make their way to the NFL. The Boston College head coach went and became the OC, uh, became the offensive coordinator uh, there with the Green Bay Packers. Chip Kelly was done, even though he's not back in the program. he was done being a head coach because of a lot of this. I mean, I find, listen, there's two sides to that. There is the woe is me to the coaches who make four, five, six, seven million dollars Uh, that can leave at any moment, right? Uh, That can leave at any moment and bounce to another job, another school, and leave everyone high and dry that we don't want to hear the woe is me from them. The other side of it is, you know, there is a, I I don't want to, I don't know if it's a tipping point, but there is a unhappiness and an unsatisfaction, you know, no longer satisfaction within coaches. And I think it goes back to, and you know, you know this, come on, you're a Notre Dame fan. These coaches have had the power, the ultimate power over their roster, right? If a kid wanted to leave, uh, the kid could be locked in. They didn't have to agree to let them leave. They could put boundaries. You can't go to this school or you can't go within the conference. And so all of that freedom that the players used to not have, now they have that freedom. And so the coaches who had all of the authority have lost so very much of that authority. And that has always been a backbone of college athletics. I mean, I'm not picking on him, but Bob Knight comes to mind, right? Bobby, you know, Bobby Knight would not have in today's day and age, the authority over his roster or to be able to act the way that he did Uh, in today's day and age. And so I think that's what you're seeing here. You're seeing the battle at the NIL front. You're seeing the battle at the NCAA and in the courts, does Congress get involved? And then the next step down, you are seeing the group of coaches, head coaches, coordinators, these guys that had all of this power, lose this power, and now try to figure out the job on the fly. Can I still be a college coach or am I going to have to go to the NFL where I might now actually have a little bit of power. So, uh it's fascinating and then it gets down to if you're the local schools, okay? And NIL collectives can do whatever they want. Like, you know, basically they have been able to, but now if you're saying it's even more of a wide open field, it's even more of a wild west with no sheriff, if you will. If I'm a fan, if I'm you of Notre Dame, I'm like well, Marcus Freeman better go out there and have the best players. Or if I'm Indiana, I'm like, Mike Woodson better be able to go out there, or whoever the coach is, better be able to go out there and get better players if there are no rules. Because our nil collectives can come strong and come to the table with a lot of benefits, not
1: the A's. If you want to look at it from a major league baseball standpoint, no
0: no one would view themselves as the A's, right? They would all say, "Hey, you know these big schools. Hey, we can put a lot of money together. There better be no reason we don't have a quarterback, or we don't have a point guard, or we don't have a center, whatever it is." And so, I, I have it I, I think the thing for me. I haven't figured out, KB, what I if I think it's it's bothering my view of the sport. Does that make sense? Like I, I you know, the so many guys leave that you don't as a fan, you don't know what your roster on football or basketball is going to look like. Yeah. I'm very torn on it because I think these guys should be able to fill in the blank make money. It's probably a little bit silly that some of them. I mean, there's there's all sorts of rumors of kids getting offered over a million dollars yeah. who are coming out of it, high school. It, I haven't figured out how I feel about it. It's I a guess. little
1: too messy for my liking. Has it changed my viewing experience of the sport? No, probably I, not. I, I'm, I'm probably I'm not, with you. I'm not that you know big of an idiot, frankly, to just all of a sudden stop watching because this is happening. Uh, but at the same time, again, it, it's just a little too messy for what I like about, again, what I like about college sports, something I listed out, you know, back about an hour ago when we talked about the court storm, you know, there is the tradition, the pageantry, the raw emotion element to it that I gravitate towards much more than the, you know, whatever, you know, here's the name, image, likeness deal that, you know, insert player is getting here. Um, All right, in about 10 minutes, we'll do a pop quiz, and then following that, uh, Kaylin Kaler from The Athletic is going to pop in studio with us here. She's got a fun event coming up over at Sun King Brewery later this week for the Combine with a Colts player. Ooh. Uh, and so she's going to chat about that, also benefiting uh, the Million Meal Mart. So awesome to see uh, you know, national people from the NFL coming to our city doing something to benefit um, a great, great local philanthropic here in our state. Uh, she's also got a little bit of a Caleb Williams news item she said she wanted Ooh. to share as well. So, again, she's going to pop in here in about 15 or so. We'll do a pop quiz before that. This morning, check down a lot of hoopage.
0: All right, 133-111, that's your final last night in Gamebridge. Pacers over the Mavericks. I told you we were going to give you Carlisle on Andrew Nemhard, so let's do that here. Nemhard was great last night, 7 of 8 from the field, 15 points in 33 minutes. Here's Carlisle on his starting point
3: guard. He's continued to stay the course with the work he's done on his long-range shooting. And, you know, I told him recently, you know, uh, I do not look at stats I look at process I look at how guys are stepping into shots and you know I said you know with with what you've been through with being in 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 and out and in and out you just got to stay the course and you got to keep believing in the work that you're doing and and, and and that right now those things are are coming to fruition so it's it's great to see you know it really is. Again, I thought one of the better wins of the season, more
1: to do with kind of the why and the how. Nemhard is a part of that. You know, Matherin, handful of assists, double-digit rebounds. You don't see that from him every night. You don't see Turner go for 33, and it's not like he hit, you know, eight or nine threes or something like that. Uh, Got to the foul line a whole lot. And then Ben Shepard brought up this sequence a lot throughout the show. 104-100. Kyrie Irving had just scored nine straight. Pacers take a timeout. I'm thinking, oh boy, here they go. Luke and Kyrie about to take over in the fourth quarter. Shepard hits a huge three-out-of-the-timeout. Lead grows to uh, double digits right after that. Shepard hit another one there to kind of cap that run. Pacers in control the rest of the way. You see 133-111. It's a big blowout. Again, early fourth quarter, there were some shaky moments of just, uh, is this going to be game pressure and their two stars will have that ability to kind of take over. So, nice win for the Pacers. And back-to-back tonight, Toronto in town. Pacers favored by about five in that one. All right, it was a road game, but certainly didn't feel like that. Watch that for the Purdue Boilermakers yesterday in Ann Arbor. Uh, it was certainly a raucous environment for the Boilers there. Uh, Zach Eady was Zach Eady, outstanding for him, fouling out Michigan players, just dominating down low. Dude, their second half, uh, second
0: chance points, ridiculous. Yeah. and
1: again, they didn't shoot it great ridiculous. from three or the foul line, but still put up 84 thanks to just dominating the glass. And Eady was Shaq. So Purdue on the verge of clinching another Big Ten title as long as they can kind of hold serve here uh, the rest of the way. Their schedule does toughen up, and I think I'll say this a lot this week. I'm looking forward to that. We haven't really seen Purdue have a lot of tournament teams on their schedule here as of late with how the Big Ten is this season. Uh, They certainly are going to have that here to close out the regular season. Nothing this week for them. They'll host Michigan State this weekend.
0: All right, IU losers, uh, we knew this was going to happen. Now they're 14-13 losers to Penn State
4: over the weekend,
0: 83-74, your final there. Mike Woodson, a frustrating season. Here's Woody.
4: I'm upset with the way we played, the way I've coached this team, you know, this whole season. I mean, we've lost more games at home than we've lost in the last two years, and that's that's just not good. I I've always felt I can take any team and go win with, and we've had our struggles this year, but we got to try to finish this season out on a high note. We got Wisconsin coming in next, and they're playing pretty well, sitting at the top, uh, and just, we got to see what we made of
1: Wisconsin. By the way, they have lost five of seven. Just I don't know if they've been playing that well here as of late, but nonetheless, you talk about the baseball analogy we brought up a few minutes ago, Andy Yankees versus A's. IU's got Yankees money when you compare them Mm -hmm. to a lot of the Big Ten programs. How about no wins this year over Penn State, Nebraska, Northwestern, and Rutgers? That's the A's beating the
0: Yankees, right? It's just, it's just six and zero against it's not even that It's like the White Sox too. There you go. Sorry, Mark. I know you hate well, them anyway. It's I'm not okay. a White Sox fan. It, that doesn't it, bother me at is all. Is it Reinsdorf trying to move them out of the of uh, off the South End? Don't get me
2: started on it, Jerry Reinsdorf. Yeah, okay. well, like, give me go. a billion dollar stadium and <laughs> taxpayer money, or I'm leaving. Okay, where? bye, Jerry. Where are they moving? Oh goodness. no, he's, he's threatened somewhere. Nashville. He's threatened everywhere. Nashville. Yeah. Ugh. They're not gonna. They're not going anywhere. Nashville,
1: uh, Butler. They're gonna need to do some damage here in the Big East tournament in a couple weeks. They lose Sun uh, Saturday night. Seton Hall down five at half. Seton Hall kind of pulled away with about five or six to go in the second half there. That is four straight losses for Butler. All of them quad one wins. So again, not bad losses on the resume. Just missed opportunities, and they've had chances. They probably need one of those types of wins the rest of the way. They won't close out the season with many of those opportunities. St. John's is you know, a nice team on Wednesday night, but still, yeah, uh, that's Quad Two, DePaul, Xavier to close things out. So Butler gonna have to do some damage
0: in the tournament. Did you see that white suit from Patino though? That looked crisp. Yeah, yeah, chilly, hey, right? He, was did, the he, did, he did that at Louisville one time, but he wore uh, red underwear under it. He sweat. There's a visual for you on a Monday. Sounds
1: awkward. There you Sounds go. like something at, yeah. a, at an Italian restaurant <laughs> that he has been known for in the past.
5: Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider kisimta Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kisimta And check out the details at kisimta.com Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation life is full of things to manage your work, your family, your plans and your treatment consider Mab 20 milligram injection you can take it yourself from the comfort of home if you're ready for something different ask your healthcare provider about Kisimta and check out the details at keytruda.com. brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation
1: uh, alright uh, pop quiz is next 317-239-1070
5: all right, I can't believe I'm going to dare say it. I'm looking at
0: Scotty's uh, pop quiz here, KB. I, I think it's doable. Really? Yeah. I mean, there's no hockey. There, there's an old baseball question, but it involves Babe Ruth. Right. Huh? That's All okay. Right. People know who Babe Ruth is. Well,
1: I, I would hope, <laughs> Baby Ruth, right?
0: <laughs> Baby Ruth. So I think it's okay. I think it's okay. I think someone we can still get three out of five here.
1: Daytona 500 question, Scotty.
0: Oh, course, is there one? Okay. By th- the way, there was that a- That
1: answer probably more iconic in this market for it was a close. I saw it was
0: a close finish in NASCAR over the weekend. Sound wild. Three cars, boom, 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 right there, right together. So how about that? Good for them. Uh, down in Atlanta. All right,
1: uh, it is time for the Pop Quiz again. Fun combine event uh, that uh, is taking place here and benefiting uh, local philanthropic Million Meal March in Indy. We'll chat with Kalen Kaler of the athletic coming up in a few before that as Andy said it is a very doable pop quiz give us a number 1 through 8
0: oh goodness let's go uh let's go number 3 mark who do we have caller number 3 austin austin good morning how are you man doing well how are you guys hey austin well we sound terrible Hello, our lungs are full of mucus on this monday so that's how we're doing i think kb's losing his voice And uh, that's basically where we are on this Monday. I'll let you chat with Austin about him. All right, Austin, uh, you ready to go? You ready to fire away? You ready to get this win? Get this oil change? Let's do this. All right, here we go. Question number one, Austin. Purdue's magic number for clinching the number one seed in the Big Ten men's basketball tournament is down to two following Sunday's win in Ann Arbor. Who is second in Big Ten men's basketball standings? Is it? Illinois, Northwestern, Wisconsin, or Nebraska?
2: Oh, God.
0: You sure? You sure, Austin? Illinois. There you go.
1: Number two here, Austin. Pacers win streak up to three now as they beat the Mavs yesterday at the field house. Turner and Doncic, they tied for the most points scored in the game with 33 each. Who was the leading rebounder in yesterday's game? Ooh. The Turner, Luka Doncic, Pascal Siakam, or Benedict Mather?
2: Pascal Siakam.
0: All right. uh, Question number three. Caitlin Clark recorded her 16th career triple double in Iowa's win over Illinois yesterday. Her career total ranks second among NCAA Division I women's or men's players. Who holds the record for most career triple doubles in D one college hoops? Is it Kyle Collinsworth? Sabrina? Is it Ionescu? Is that how you saying? I messed that up like eighteen times last week. Shaquille O'Neal or Brian Shaw?
4: Oh, what a name! go oh, Shaft.
0: right, number four
1: here on this day, 1967. This driver became the first born outside the U.S. to win the Daytona 500. He remains the only foreign-born driver to win the great American race. I've also done a two-seater with this man around the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. (laughs) Can
0: you name him? No chance. How about a last name? (laughs) It's a pretty
1: popular last name. IndyCar season starting up in less than two weeks. His son, certainly, well, I guess his grandson and his and son. ready. The there we go. That.
0: Good enough. On this day in 1935, Babe Ruth was released by the New York Yankees. With which MLB team did Ruth sign with to play in the 1935 season? Was it the Boston Red Sox, the Brooklyn Dodgers, the Boston Braves, or the Pittsburgh Pirates? Austin
4: awesome Red Sox.
1: Well, we appreciate the effort. Yeah. Don't know if there's much more to say besides that, right? No, that's it. You got the first one. Uh, Illinois and yeah! Mario ready? Yeah. That
0: it? That's it. Benedict that Mather uh, led everyone in rebounds yesterday. I wonder how. how- how many how many double-digit rebound games has Matherin had in his career? can't be very many. I thought Daenerys said that that was his third double-double of the season. I
1: That's probably there's about right. No way assists would fall no. <laughs> into that. Uh, no, 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 so, no. I mean, hell, him getting five assists is you know pretty That's... much a miracle. So um, all
0: right, I, I gotta run down and go get Kalen right. Kaylor, okay? Good deal. All right, so we'll do that. We'll come back. Uh the athletics uh Kalen Kaler gonna join us next. Athletic, and I feel terrified for her right now because she's looking at her our uh, graveyard of headphones right now. I don't know. I got to be honest, Caitlin. I don't know if any of those headphones work. Yeah. Your her mic ready? on. I don't know if any of those work. I'm not sure your mic even works. She's sort of
1: scrambling for him. I'm like, yeah. that's a disaster. Yeah. Don't even worry this about this.
0: This is where it's a mucus Monday around here uh, on, <laughs> on the wake up call. Uh, so you are going to first of all, welcome to town. I know. Thank you. Uh, located in Chicago, yep. so you're familiar with Indian, obviously. Uh, the NFL Combine, but coming up is the NFL Combine Meetup and fundraiser. That's going to be on Friday, correct? Yes. Going to be at the Sun King uh, here downtown on College Avenue. It's $25, I believe, at givebutter.com. Proceeds benefiting the Million Meal Movement. What did I miss? What else do you want to add to yeah, that? Yeah,
7: that's great. So we'll start with um, something. So Peter King, who is a legend in this business, who works for NBC now, he used to do this um, fundraiser for the last several years, and he does a great job like emceeing it. We've got, we'll have a panel of report, sports reporters there, NFL reporters, and we talk about the draft, we talk about NFL topics, but obviously you guys probably saw the news today. He is retiring. So he is Good not. I know. It's crazy. He's a, He was one of my biggest mentors in this business. I started off as his assistant. So um, it's a really special day that he's he's retiring today. And so he bequeathed this fundraiser to me to now run. And I'm honored to have that responsibility. And so I will be like the MC of this event on Friday. And we've got Albert Breer from Sports Illustrated coming. Um, I made sure to get uh, Nikki Javala of the Washington Post yep. who covers the commanders because they've got the second pick in the draft. We've got Pat. Finley of the Chicago Sun-Times, because the Bears have the first pick in the draft. So we're going to be talking a lot. We've got um, Stephen Holder, who uh, covers the Colts, and is of ESPN. We're going to have guests on these airwaves? Yeah, so we're going to have the Indianapolis Colts covered as well. So it's going to be a really fun Q&A, and then the Colts um, will be sending a player or a guest, and it's probably going to be Zaire Franklin. Um, We'll have that confirmed shortly. So there will be a Colts guest who comes by, and we'll get to ask them questions, and obviously anyone who attends is free to ask a question as well. So come prepared with your best hard-hitting questions for a Colts representative or for our NFL reporters to answer for you if you've got any burning draft questions. So it's a great um, beneficiary as well. Um, It's a local uh, food bank nonprofit that helps um, get shelf-stable meals to people who need them. So
1: it's going to be an awesome time. Well, thank you. uh, First off, as someone that's a resident of the city, I mean, for you to obviously be a national person or, you know, whatever national publication for you guys to come in here and support a local philanthropic means a lot. So appreciate that. I know Peter has been, you know, huge at sun King and treasures before. Um, so I've always been a fan and the event itself is a great, great time. A perfect way to spend a Friday evening. Zaire Franklin, who again, we've had on our show several times is an awesome guest. Um, for those that are unfamiliar I guess with what this week lays out for you as a national reporter Caleb, yeah. what is combine week like for you?
7: It's like mayhem. I actually feel like unprepared for it because I've spent the last 2 weeks in a Caleb Williams like tunnel just uh-huh. like trying to learn as much as I can about him and the team around him and obviously that is preparing for the combine in a sense because he is probably the biggest storyline at this sure. combine and um Ian Rappaport tweeted last night that Caleb won't be working out at this combine. He won't be throwing. He'll be waiting for his pro day to do that. So um, the quarterbacks work out on Saturday, which feels like 100 years from now. I mean, it's Monday. <laughs> like, how are right, we getting to Saturday? Right. Um, but yeah, so I feel like I have not done enough prep on like other storylines uh, other than Caleb, um, which is okay. But, um, you know, you're just juggling a million things. You're trying to set up meetings with people that you want to meet while also trying to work around their schedule. And the schedule changes um, to put the workouts in primetime uh, over the last couple of years have been difficult because the scouts are all available, you know, at, at, after 10 p.m. They're doing interviews until like 10 o'clock at night. So it's kind of moved things later and some of them don't go out as much. So you don't get to have the, you know, social interaction that you really come here for. But it is a great week because you'll run into anybody like on my walk um I was, we have athletic meetings today. And on my walk to the hotel where those are at, I ran into Stephen Jones of the Cowboys. Not like, hey, Stephen, how are you? Good morning. Does you Jerry know? have his bus here yet? He does. I saw yes? it. It's right okay. outside of the I think the Marriott is where they're at. It. Um, okay. So right. it is parked here. That's, That's how you what know. My week is officially. That's starting, how you know. Right? Yeah, you see the star on the bus. It's time.
1: Yeah. So again, prospects start working out Thursday. Uh, for us, from a cult centric standpoint, Chris Bauer, Shane Steichen going to meet the media Wednesday. We'll have Ballard on our show coming up 9.30 on Thursday. All right, Kaylin, for those unfamiliar, Mark Dyke, which uh, I'm telling you, Mark Dykton, our producer, is a diehard Bears fan. Yes. Oh, wow. And when he got wind that you might have a little Caleb Williamsy yeah. story, Bears-related, he got very, very, I would say, nervous excitement, Mark. Yeah. huh. On that end, do you care to maybe offer a yeah, tease yeah.
7: to what you're uh, writing? Yeah, it's hard to describe in like one sentence, so apologies if I go on a tangent here. But basically, I'm sure you guys saw the Colin Cowherd report that his camp didn't want to play in Chicago, um, I had been hearing things similar to that. And so I was like, I need to know more about this player. Not not necessarily from an on-field perspective. I think we can all agree he's very, very talented and is probably going to be very successful in the NFL. But I wanted to know more about who's around him, who's the team around him. What do scouts think of his dad? Because his dad, Carl, is a big influence. He's been running his sort of NIL show for several years now. And that's the other thing that's so fascinating about Caleb is we've never seen a player enter the NFL as an NIL megastar in the way that he has. Like his whole college career, he's basically been able to benefit from name, image, and likeness. And he really has. He's had deals with Wendy's, with Nissan, um, you know, with major brands. And he's made like several million dollars, which is just different than any player who's entered. So, you know, I was talking to the NFLPA's executive director who's new in his role, Lloyd Howell. And I was just asking him, you know, how does that make players think differently. And he was like, you know, it totally changes the way they think about negotiation, the way they view themselves. Because they view themselves as being valuable before they even play whereas I think previously a player might be like oh god I got to prove myself first on the field before but for Caleb and his camp it's like no whoever drafts him they see an instant increase in that franchise's value so which they're not wrong right like you're instantly going to be selling jerseys you're going to get the fans into whoever gets him so I wanted to take a look of like okay what, what do teams think of this team around him is anyone concerned by the fact that these reports have come out, like, is there going to be an Eli Manning situation? I don't think there is. And I think my conclusion, it's crazy. I talked to like 21 people who know Caleb or Carl, did everything I could. And like barely anyone would talk on the record. It's like everyone is afraid of saying anything right now. So it was very hard to come to any strong conclusion. But I think if I did have to like pull any like one sentence thesis from this, it's that I believe he will play in Chicago if the Bears draft him. But I think the consensus among the people around him is that they would Probably rather someone else drafted him.
1: Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So,
7: and it's tough to like. I mean, like you know, Washington,
1: New England or I, I don't. Wash, I, I'm I would to look say at the draft probably order.
7: Washington. He's
1: from there, correct? Yeah. High and
7: and the ownership there is very interesting. New ownership has a lot of money in other businesses. That's a that's an important key here. Yeah. Is like not all NFL owners are the same, right? Like some of them, such as the McCaskeys who own the Bears. That's their business. They don't have other businesses. This is this is it, and it's a great business, probably worth seven billion dollars, right? right? But like, um, it they don't have other things to offer. Um, and the CBA as it's structured right now is very very limited in what you can offer a player outside of the playing contract. You can, I think, you can pay them like for five marketing engagements a year, and it am- amounts to like nine thousand dollars a piece for each appearance. So it's like minimal money we're talking here. But there is like a movement happening. Uh, kind of underground right now of like the new owners who are interested in finding out a way to pay players in other forms. Right. And like there was a report this summer that um, someone from Caleb's camp, and this is a big part of the story, was looking for equity in a team when they were talking to agents because they didn't hire an agent, which is also really important. They do not have an NFLPA certified agent representing Caleb. Um, they've got other people around him, but no one who is NFLPA certified contract negotiator. So, over the summer, there was a report that came out that someone in his camp was asking for the possibility of Caleb getting equity in the team that drafts him. And I think that's really interesting. And then, like, shortly after that, NFL owners voted to not allow partial ownership to non family members. In July, they voted. So it's like he hasn't even played in the NFL and he's influencing. Owner's actions already. Yeah. So it's going to be super interesting. It's nothing, I don't think anything immediate is going to change, but I do think the NFLPA is like really interested in some of Carl's ideas about equity in particular. Because at the Super Bowl, the executive director talked a lot about the idea of players getting equity in the league instead of individual clubs. So that was a long answer, but, um, Caleb brings up a lot of really interesting topics of how player compensation could change. Wow. So he,
0: he doesn't have an agent then? No. That,
7: that reminds me of... Him I, and Marvin I, Harrison. Like, it like, reminds me of uh, right?
0: Lamar Jackson really, paved, yeah, really paved the way for that when he was uh, coming out of Louisville. Kaitlin Kaler with us here from The Athletic. Again, if you go to givebutter.com, that's the website, yeah. correct? Uh, yeah. To get those tickets. I've retweeted that. It's on our account as well. Uh, that's coming up Friday. The NFL Combine meetup and fundraiser at SunKing.com downtown Indy location uh, on College Avenue. By the way, if you see Jerry Jones, is Jerry <laughs> one of the ones who may want to move uh, the combine from Indianapolis to I, his compound in Yeah, Dallas?
7: I'm sure he would love that. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure he And would. they had the Shrine game there this year, and from what I could tell, scouts were like raving about how that went down because they've got everything there that you need. But I mean, I think Indianapolis yeah, also does, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't really see a huge difference between those two locations.
0: Uh, your quarterback, too, is who right now after uh, after Caleb? What do you think? I think
7: it's Drake May. Okay. Um, I think a lot of people really like him. Um, you know, I don't think the bear. I don't think the Bears can draft him simply because he's a UNC quarterback again. I, and you know, Fair <laughs> that's a terrible. Point. Yeah. Fair that's point. A terrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's terrible logic. But I do think like they just can't go there. So um, yeah, I would. I think it's Drake May. Um, it'll be interesting. You know, I don't know. Did they? I don't know. Did a report come out of Drake is going to be throwing? I saw Jaden Because Jaden's not. I,
0: yeah,
7: yeah. Jaden said, they said he wasn't. I don't yeah, remember if I, I've seen him. I
0: did I did see Bo Nix and Michael Penix. Jr. They were. We're, we're both going to throw a yeah. out and do yeah, a bunch I of stuff this
1: week. Yeah, I have seen Drake interesting. specifically. And the Marvin Harrison Jr. one is interesting as well. He has, and Albert Breer had this today, and you mentioned Albert Breer is going to be at the yep, event coming up tonight. tonight. Marvin Harrison Jr. is not training for the Combine or his pro day. He is strictly training for the football season for next year. I think you hear from a lot of these guys this week. Your first three or four months post-college football season, you're training for a decathlon. Yeah, You're training for a track meet. You aren't training for a football season. And so Marvin Harrison Jr. said, no, I'm not even going to work out at the Combine. I And again, you have to have Marvin Harrison Jr.'s resume to be able to totally. do this. But he's basically saying, I'm going to be getting ready for next football season. Mm-hmm. So he won't even work out at Ohio State's Pro Day. That's a little bit of a twist. That's really different. We've seen. we've seen guys forego the Combine testing here, in yep. Indy, but then do stuff at their Pro Day. So that, I think, is the storyline for this week. Colts related. I want to make sure we threw in a question there. Anthony Richardson from afar. I know it was a small sample size, uh, but any interactions you've had Colts-wise over the last year, just your general thoughts on Anthony Richardson. I mean,
7: I was really impressed with Anthony, and it feels like 100 years since he's played football, right? (laughs) Like, like, oh my gosh. Like, him and Joe Burrow, it's like we just forgot that they exist. Like, nationally, it's like you know with with all the other quarterbacks that continue the season and um yeah it just it's it was ter- it was so disappointing that he Especially when got we
1: want hurt CJ Stroud out of the season that he yeah.
7: Had, yeah I mean so I think it's really exciting I mean I think that the Colts are in a good position for next year I mean they've got the 15th pick in the draft they've got an incredible amount of cap space right. sixth most in the league yeah. I think so that's that bodes well um and then they've got a pick in every round after the first round I believe and so you know, you're going to come out of this draft with some really good young rookies and you've got a super talented quarterback, I believe. And it's going to be really interesting to see how he grows. Um, You know, and I think like, maybe they'll take a receiver in this draft. Maybe Brock Bowers will still be there. I don't know if he will be at 15, but like that would be a really interesting pick and even if he's not, like this is a great receiver draft. We say this every year, but it actually it really is. Like even if the top 3 guys are gone, you've got another LSU receiver, um Brian Thomas who should still be there. So, I think they're in a great position for next season.
1: Getting Kalen Kaler from The Athletic one more time to plug Friday night. By the way, you're going to love Zaire Franklin, whether you want to
7: ask him about local topics or national
1: league-wide stuff. He'll be outstanding, but I want to make sure we get the nuts and bolts for Friday night. Six o'clock, Sun King. Where can people get tickets?
7: Um, Givebutter.com. We will tweet that link out. I'll tweet it out. I haven't tweeted it out yet. It's in Peter's column as well. Um, But yeah, we'll all be tweeting that out this week. And I think probably if you just Googled it as well, it would come up. Um, Yeah, hope to see you guys there. And again, a little rundown on other guests besides Zaire. Albert Breer, Nikki Javal of the Washington Post, Pat Finley of the Sun-Times, Brandon Kristol of Denver Radio. um, I think Ben Solak of The Ringer is going to be there. He's awesome with his Twitter cut-ups and um, film analysis. Uh, Myself. And then, honestly, there's probably going to be a few more reporters there as well, because... It's a long week, and people want to hang out on the end of the week on Friday. Friday
1: night, Sunking 6 o'clock. Yeah. There aren't many places better than that in Indianapolis. Kalen, thanks for stopping in the studio. Hope uh, Thanks Indy for having me. You well. Thank you. Again, Kalen, Kayla, right there from The Athletic. We'll make sure to tweet out that link. Pacers, Raptors tonight, 7 o'clock. Our coverage will begin at 6.30. Five and a half point favorite in that one. IU Wisconsin tomorrow. Purdue's got the week off until they host Michigan State. Everybody enjoy the beautiful Monday.
2: Thank you for tuning in to The Wake Up Call. KB and Andy signing off here on 93.51075, The Fan.